All righty, episode 158. Football season is officially here, right? Well, I, I can't decide what you're more excited about. The start of a brand new New York City Fashion Week that kicked off this weekend? <laughs> what? Or the start of the VMAs that's going on right now as we record? Is there anything to make you feel older and lamer than watching the Video Music Awards? You know, I didn't nobody. even know that the Video <laughs> Music Awards are still on. I didn't either. And I saw it on Twitter. I was like, oh, that's still a thing. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, New York God. City Fashion Week. Your buddy Westbrook was... Parading all around. He I loves it. I don't know anything about Yeah, I know. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Oh, yeah. Football kicked off, too, by the way. They did. I almost texted did you and said, can we just stay home and watch football? I was loving it so much. I just wanted to watch this game. It's oh, on. You mean to not do the podcast? Yeah, let's just blow it off and watch football. Really? It's a season opener. Come on. No, People want to hear the podcast. Yeah, I know they do. They want to hear what you have to say about your Washington Huskies performance <laughs> against Michigan. <laughs> I don't have one thing in the my notes about it. The 1991 national champs. Uh, you are correct, sir. Thank yeah. you for getting that right. Yeah. Not co. Like I said on the broadcast, co? Yeah. No, yeah. there was no co. Yeah. That was the highlight of the game when the announcers brought up the fact that UW beat Michigan 30 years ago to win the national championship. But didn't the announcers also bring up during the Oregon-Ohio State game that the coach of Oregon, who used to play at Miami in 1991, was a former national champion Miami Hurricane player? Did they say that? Yeah, I think so. Oh, well, <laughs> I don't think I, I didn't hear that part. I must have blocked that out. That would be in the Oregon Ohio State game. Yeah, oh, I'm familiar with it. Yes, yeah. that was yeah. a pr- pretty big win for those Ducks. Yes, yes. It doesn't bode well for the future of the Huskies it, and Oregon no. rivalry. <laughs> They're ready to be Oregon's bitch for the next ten years again, just like they were for the oh god the, 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 that ten twelve year run. It not was not a good it. week for Washington. No. Not a good weekend for it was not a good weekend for Aaron Rodgers. Not a good weekend for Aaron Rodgers. No, when you see Jeopardy trending on Twitter, <laughs> you know you don't even have to click it. You know what's going on there. Oh. Everyone's making their Jeopardy jokes. Yeah, not a good Sunday for Aaron Rodgers. Boy, he just looked uninspired and just old like, and thin yeah. and a little bit gaunt. Yeah. <laughs> hadn't had a haircut in a while. Like they, just, it's like they pulled him out of a cabin that know. he's been in for two months. I don't know. Not a good, not a good Sunday for Urban Meyer and his first head coaching stint with the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yep. Everybody's making fun of him. Not a good Sunday for the Mariners. Not a good Sunday for the Mariners. Not a good Saturday for the right. Mariners. They yeah. lost two of three to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Not a good weekend for the. Um, do you see the Cleveland Browns player shoving the coach? No, I missed that. I, I was trying to oh, watch as much as I could of that. Oh, yeah. Cleveland Browns player on the sideline is stepping on, is literally stepping on a Chiefs player, and they're oh. on the Chiefs sideline. So the Chiefs, like, assistant coach, like the running backs coach, Greg Lewis, he pushes he pushes the safety off of him, and the safety just chucks the, 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 oh. the coach. He gets thrown out of the game. Oh, how did I miss yeah. that? I, got, I don't know how you missed it. Wow. Yeah, yeah, I mean, the Browns were kind of handling not a, not, a, not a good weekend for a lot of teams and a lot of yeah. players. Yeah. But, but it was for the Seahawks. But. Yeah, there you go. There's one. There's your beloved Seattle Seahawks there in, uh, on the East Coast. You know the last 13 times that the Seahawks have played at 10 a.m.? Remember when they couldn't win at yeah. 10 a.m.? That was that? always a thing. Yeah. And then I saw that stat during the game, how successful they are. I was like, when did this happen? 12-1 and one in their last 13 <laughs> 10 a.m. starts. That's yeah, so weird. Maybe they should start the Titans game coming up this weekend at, yeah. at 10 a.m. Start them all at that at time. Lumen Field. That's right, Lumen yeah, Field. I'm I, not going to get that right. Lumen Field. That's a tough one. Yeah. Yeah, I know. No. Yeah. No. There's been like five names, though. I mean, come on, guys. Pick a name. Has there been? Well, wasn't it like Seahawks Stadium? Seahawks Stadium, which I thought it should stay. Yes. Well, you don't make, yeah. a, you don't make a lot of money off Seahawks Stadium, right? <laughs> I mean, you got to get a sponsor and so far. And then Paul Quest. Allen was the owner. Right? <laughs> True. Quest Field. That's right. There was Quest Field. And then CenturyLink. CenturyLink. So that's three. And Lumen. 
That's four. Did we miss one? I thought there was maybe. No, we okay. didn't miss any. All right, just pick a name, would you please, and go with it? Well. It was always the kingdom. It was easy. All right? Just pick a name. <laughs> Come on. Good Lord. Well, they're going to be there with fans this weekend, Hot Shot Scott. Yes, they are. Amazing. Fans back. Yeah. They come back after a, a pretty easy kind of resounding victory over the Indianapolis. Would you say that was an easy victory? It 20, felt easy. 28-16. I was thinking last year, was it the first five or six games where we had to sweat it out every game? Was like the last drive, Russell yeah. would come back and win yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. I'm so, nice, so glad then not at, to have one of them. Then starting in week nine, Russell Wilson didn't come back and win it. Uh, and they yeah. started, yeah. After all the MVP be, talk yeah. kicked in. And yeah. Then, yeah. Well, we can start the MVP talk MVP. right now. MVP. Four <laughs> touchdowns, no interceptions, a 152 passer rating. Right now, if the season ended oh, today, <laughs> Russell Wilson would be the MVP of the NFL. He would. Yeah. By the way, somebody on this podcast predicted 24-17 win. 28-16, not too shabby. You said 24-17? I sure did. And it looked like it could happen, too. It was- Joe Fan at 27-17. You have to ruin my phone like that? I mean, come on. Jeez. Yeah, it, to answer your question, it, it didn't oh, feel like dear. it was ever in doubt. I was yeah. never really worried. Although they, they could have kicked it and made it an eight-point game. For some reason, they chose not to, but I guess we can get into that later. What do you mean? The Colts could have kicked it. They, they went for it on, was it fourth and one? Oh, it was an yeah, 11. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, make yeah. it an eight-point game. Make it an eight-point, eight one-score on. game, yeah. <laughs> what are they doing? They went for it. So, the, yeah, the Seahawks defense was... Uh, held him to 5 of 13 on third down and 0 and 3 on fourth down. Nice. So that's pretty good. Yeah. Very, very good. Anyway, um, this is episode 158. This is the tease. We haven't started yet. We're just warming yes, up. Just warming episode up. Episode 158. Please subscribe and listen. Don't forget, you can become a patron at MitchUnfiltered.com. And patrons have – I was out with a patron on Saturday night. Oh, you were? A friend of mine who's a patron and said, I, 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 it's too much. I, I just can't. I can't. Oh, really? I said to him, wait a second. These shows are a lot shorter now. It's just a bunch of little shows now. Yeah. No, it's just, ah, oh, I can't do it. <laughs> it's way too much. Sorry for giving you more for your money, everybody. <laughs> I can't, can't win. Oh, my God. Every day I wake up, I get another uh, message. There's another, uh, there's another show. There's yeah. an NFL show. There's a fantasy show. And he gave me the hand. He gave me the, ah, it's too much. Well, did we lose him? I, or is he going to stick around? Well, I don't know that he's going to quit being a patron, <laughs> okay. but, he, but he's already thrown his hands up at listening to multiple. It's just too much. Huh. And what I don't understand, because because the peace show used to be two, two, two and a half hours. Sure. Now the peace show is like 45 minutes or 50 minutes, and we have another, uh, we sprinkle a lot of other shows. I don't, yeah. I don't, it's, in time, well, maybe it is more. I maybe it's a little more. What do I know? Yeah, well, I don't, I, I don't think we should stop giving him more content because one guy can't get to it. Episode 158, you can find us wherever podcasts are found. We hope you'll subscribe, listen. You'll tell a couple of friends. It's called Mitch Unfiltered. He's Hotshot Scott. How did you do? Oh, boy. How'd you do? We sucked the joint out last year, right? Yeah, we did. And then you said you came alive a little bit at the end. I got hot at the end, but you it was too late. Wait, way too late. Yeah, we yeah. gave out like 500 prizes or something crazy. Yep. We we acquired two. I don't know how the teammate, how our teammates did. We acquired two more teammates for the Beat the Boys, presented by Fireside Home Solutions. And, um, yeah. Well, you're asking me, but do you know how you did? Have you checked? I don't have to check. I know remember. who I had, and I watched the games. <laughs> okay. And I had the Tennessee Titans, who got blown out by the Cardinals. I had the Tennessee Titans. I took the New England Patriots over the Miami Dolphins. You did? I did. I had the Dolphins. And I took the Green Bay Packers over the New Orleans Saints. I took the Green Bay Packers. How did I beat you at one, I, two? <laughs> I am I am officially tied with everybody who didn't play. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> 
Everybody who forgot to put in a pick. How trying. can we be this bad? I know. One and two and it's oh and It's not three. that hard. We're not even doing with the spreads. Why Why can't I pick a winner? Maybe that's why Aaron Rodgers why is Why can't me. I pick a winner? I thought new quarterback for the Saints taking some time to get – just blew him out of the water like Drew Brees was there. And what am I doing taking the Patriots against my <laughs> beloved Dolphins and the Dolphins go there and win? That's like 20 years of just being beat down. Oh. Yeah. You just – Oh, no- for three. I have zero points <laughs> through week one of the beat – and you have one? I have one. Well, yeah. hopefully Slick Cocker, producer Steve – Yeah. If they remember to, you know, to make their picks, hopefully they maybe one of them had two or three out of three. Now you tweeted out some bets. Do you want to talk about how you did on those or no? Are we good? Good first weekend for you. You wish you were at New York Fashion Week instead. <laughs> well, you and I on episode 157P on Thursday yeah. discussed that it was the uh, something is was happening in the Pacific Northwest that had never happened before. Yeah. We could legally go somewhere and bet on sports. That's right. And I had a little time on my hands. And we also talked about my favorite uh, Mongolian grill over there at the Snoqualmie Casino. I said, you know what? I'm going after after 157 P in our discussion. I'm going over to the Mongolian grill at the uh, Snoqualmie Casino. I'm going to have myself some Mongolian grill and I'm going to make my first ever legal wagers in my 25 years of living here in the state of Washington. Legal is the key word. Yes. Legal, right. Yes. And so Snoqualmie, the Snoqualmie Casino, I don't know if you've seen it yet, has a little, it's not that big. I saw pictures of it's it. It's handy, it's handy looking, it's nice. You but can it's sit, not, there's a few tables, right? Few ta- just a few tables. They've got TVs all over the place, okay. and the, the tellers are trying to figure it all out, yeah. and the computer system was haywire, and you can do it. So I decided to go there, have lunch, and make a few wagers. Okay. Since you can do it legally mm-hmm. now. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That was an expensive Mongolian grill. I hope you liked it. The most expensive Mongolian grill. Well, it wasn't as expensive as you think, but it was pretty expensive. Yeah, yeah. I made three. Well, I tried to make four bets. Okay. I don't, and I don't bet parlays. I know they t- they were asking me, do you want these on a parlay? I said, no, no, I don't take parlays. And then I had a conversation with the guy and explained to him why I don't take parlays. Oh, no, I didn't do that. Okay, good. Uh, I was going to take four. The four I was going to, I wanted to bet the University of Washington on the money line without the points. I didn't want any points because I thought Wash because New Heisel told me Washington was going to beat Michigan. Wow. On episode 157, so I figured rather than take the whatever it was seven, eight, nine points, yeah. I get like three to one or two and a half to one on them winning. So they're going to win the game. Shot about fifty bucks on them yeah. to win the game straight up. It's a good one. Thank goodness you're not allowed to bet on the University of Washington or Washington State or any local colleges, state schools, or schools in the state. So they did not take my bet on Washington on the money line. So I saved my – so I'm a winner right there. (laughs) That's right. That's one win. (laughs) Count that as a win. Now, can you bet on UNLV in Vegas? In the old days, you couldn't. I don't know what it is now. But there was once a time you could not bet on UNLV games in Vegas. Okay. I don't know if you can anymore. So there's my first win. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> I got the stiff arm. I got the hand up. No, no Washington. I said, okay. Yeah. So then I bet three games at $50 each. I bet he told me that North Carolina State, New Heisel, was going to beat Mississippi State, and it didn't matter the number. They got blown out. <laughs> so I was down. Um, I decided to bet the under of 49 and a half on the Seahawks-Colts game. All right. What was the final score? Um, 28-16. 28-16, yeah. You got that one, 44. Yeah, 44. Nice one. So I got that one right. Okay, good. And um, I also bet Tennessee against the Arizona Cardinals, giving like three or four points. I don't remember what the spread was. Okay. That didn't work out. So So I I went one and two. I lost a bet. Yeah, just add 50 bucks to your Mongolian grill. (laughs) (laughs) A little bit bit more with the big. (laughs) 
<laughs> By the way, it, when you, we've said you got to find a Mongolian. You're paying way too much for just Mongolian. The buffet charges you yeah. as if you're going to eat everything in there. So you're paying for all that food. Well, I'll have you, you, well, I'll have you know that it's 21, it was $21. Well, that's not too bad, actually. And next year, it's 14 It's going down. When I turn 55, it's 14. <laughs> you finally get to use that, huh? So I said to the girl, I, when I, up front, I said, uh, what, what's it going to cost me? And she said, how old are you? Oh, boy. I said, well, he, she says, I need to see your ID. And I said, I'm, I'm 54. Uh, no, no. Next year. Next year, I get $7 off the buffet. Wow. So now the Mongolian Grill only costs me next year yeah. 14 plus all my losses. That's right. What a deal. <laughs> Now, do you hit the desserts at all? I feel like they got a nice dessert section. Well, they got a huge dessert it's, section. It's pretty incredible. I, you know what I get for dessert? They also have a soft serve deal. Oh, so I take it. a little cone and I make a li- real little one. Yeah. Like a, like a kid size. Okay. And that's what I have for dessert. I like to get yeah. the apple crisp yeah. and then put the soft serve on top of the hot apple crisp. Oh, oh no, forget no, no, about no, no, it. No, that's too much. But I think I'm sick of doing ads for this place. If they're not going to buy <laughs> if they're not going to buy ads, let's quit talking about them. All right. All right. So you went one for three. Yes. And I went 0 for three yeah. on... The beat the, the, boys. the boys, yeah. And I have to give you, I have to give you next week's. Okay. I have to give you the code word. I got to give you the games. 49ers at Eagles. Oh, good one. Cowboys at Chargers. Okay. And Vikings at Cardinals. 49ers at Eagles. Cowboys at Chargers. Vikings at Cardinals. Code word to get in to be able to make your picks yeah. for week two. Fireside all. Lowercase. Got it. Okay. Fireside as in Fireside Home Solutions. All right. Got it. 49ers, Eagles, Cowboys, Chargers, Vikings, Cardinals. To make your pitch, you need to know the code word of Fireside. F I R E S I D E, one word. All lowercase. Got it? I'm ready. Guests on this episode 158, the note table. We'll discuss the 28 16 victory. We'll hand out uh, game balls, or in these, this case, game burritos. To the, uh, to the stars of the game for the Seattle Seahawks, the no table, Joe Fan. Brady Henderson is back traveling now with the team, so he joins us okay. actually from Indianapolis on this episode 158. Sending out tweets about airtime? or What, what was that yeah. tweet he sent out about Russell Wilson's ball? It was like the most bizarre no. tweet about But he him. throws a great long ball, does he oh, not? He does. It's, yeah, it's, we'll get into Maybe it. Maybe the best ever. He might be the best quarterback ever, including Tom Brady with a deep throw. He's got that... that, that that arc is just he amazing. never made he do you, how many can you I, I'm sure it's happened a, a lot but as you sit here can you picture him overthrowing or I guess yeah I guess you can well yeah not often though like I was when watching, his guy's got a step he makes the throw no, 40 or 50 yards down the field he does I was watching your game and Tua had a he threw to a guy who looked open it was a good throw and the guy yeah. got his hand up at the last second how are you able to watch that game well you know I go to friends houses and stuff oh and um, <laughs> if he would have put a little more... Uh, are you gaffing it? What are you doing? If he I puts did, a little more That game wasn't on, it, on regular TV here. Well, you don't know what I have at home. Regular TV. No. What do you call well, regular TV? Why don't you tell me what you have at home? I got it all. I got it all. <laughs> if he puts a little more arc on that ball, like Russell, I think it might have been a touchdown. It, it was still a good about? throw. Which one? It, it was a long ball. I don't remember who he threw to. And the guy, the, the oh, Patriot. Oh, my guy. Yeah. My guy, Tua. The Patriot got his hand up at the last second. Last second, yeah. It was a really good play, but maybe yeah. a little more air on that. He might not have been able to Why get his hand Why don't you fly down and tell him? <laughs> but I'm just saying, you're right. Russell Big shot. throws a great long ball. Unbelievable long ball. Oh, Man, I, I, I'm telling you, he's in the conversation. He's in the conversation. as the, I'm, He's not in the conversation as great of quarterbacks of all time. Yeah. That's, I'm not saying that. In terms of just the long ball. Like, you know who I think the greatest quarterback I ever saw was. And I'm biased, but you yeah. know who I thought. 
Russell Wilson throws a better long ball wow. than Dan Marino. And Dan Marino threw a layer. Much different. Dan Marino never threw a uh, a high arcing long ball. He threw lasers. Yeah. He would throw lasers 40 yards down the field over the corner's fingertips and into the into Mark Duper's hand for a touchdown. Right. This guy, though, this guy does it better. I mean, he's unbelievable yeah. on the long ball, I think. I think, of course, it's easy to say that after what happened against the Colts. And a great adjustment by Lockett on that one where he... he oh, Willie Mays. Yeah, that wasn't that, that one wasn't great, although it was good enough to allow Lockett to get under it. Right. But Lockett had to adjust. But yeah, what a great adjustment on that. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. Incredible stuff. So, uh, no table, new Heisel. I'm going to bust his chops. <laughs> new Heisel who lost me money. Um, and then our third guest on this episode 158 is your old friend Danny O'Neill comes to Mitch Unfiltered. Wow. You, know, you know, Mitch Unfiltered is the place where everybody who gets fired <laughs> yeah. tells us their true feelings, right? Yeah. What well, does he? I mean, did we get in a little bit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. But he's but he's very rosy. He's very nice. Yeah. He takes the high road, like not unlike the rest of us. He takes the high road. <laughs> unlike the he, Jim Moore's he, he did not write the Jim Moore column. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but he has plenty to say about the Jim Moore column. Oh, he does? Oh, yeah. I asked him about the end of his run at ESPN 710. I asked him about Jim Moore's column. I asked him if he's bitter. Mm-hmm. I asked him what he's going to do next. I asked him about the state of sports radio in Seattle. He gave a very interesting answer oh, okay. about how, he, how healthy or not healthy or unhealthy the state of sports radio in the Pacific Northwest is. So, I don't know. Pretty impressive. He went from just a newspaper guy to hosting a show for, what, 12 years or something? Yeah, and how did that happen? Well, I, he used to come on with Gas and I. I know that. Stop it. I think we're responsible. He would give uh-huh. us live hits all the time from uh-huh. down there at Seahawks. Uh-huh. Yeah. It was called the Seahawks Roundtable. <laughs> to where he got his start. He actually makes a very funny, and I'm not going to tell you what it is. He makes a very funny, tell, gives you a very funny line to start the uh, – to start the segment. Anyway, nice. uh, Danny O'Neill, Rick Neuheisel, and the Seahawks No Table, and you and me, and other stuff, and all that good stuff. All right? Yep. All right, 158 doesn't happen without our partners like Daniel's Broiler still hiring across the board, busboys to waiters, hostesses to bartenders, full-time, part-time. Hyatt Regency downtown location is reopened the bar. If you or someone you know is looking for a new job, danielsbroiler.com. Or just stop by any of these fabulous locations, Daniel's Broiler World Class Steakhouses. Just ordered and received a new outdoor fireplace unit from John Waterstrat and Fireside Home Solutions. They've been here three different times during the installation process. They've been absolutely fantastic. Start your fireplace needs and search at FiresideHomeSolutions.com. Jordan Flowers and his team, now the official Kirkland home of Cross Country Mortgage, offering the best refinance rates on your home, and now with access to some new construction loan products as well. How much can you save every month? 425-890-2957. 425-890-2957 for Jordan Flowers. Evergreen Golf Call, tax advisors and certified financial planners, experienced portfolio managers working together to bring retirement planning, taxes, and investments under one roof. Evergreengk.com, more than just a financial advisor. Evergreen is everything wealth and Zeke's Pizza from Tacoma to Bellingham and now east to Spokane. Zags fans have a new one coming uniquely northwest the best craft beer selection you'll find anywhere zekespizza.com or download the zeke's pizza app homegrown in the northwest episode 158 the seahawks are in the win column and it starts right now unfiltered do i think if they had said 
Brown, we're giving you zilch. Either you're playing or not. Do yeah. I think he would have played? Yes. Do I think they could have done this and given him nothing? But do you want the left? T- he's your left tackle. Yeah. He's yeah. the guy who's most responsible for keeping Russell Wilson <laughs> upright, right? Yeah. Do you want him salty going back to work or not? Unfiltered. They go to Arizona. They win the three games. They put themselves in position to maybe even make a run at it. A, you know two things are uh, A and B, you know two things are going to happen. A, that they're just going to be happen to be playing the Astros next after they feel great. Yeah. And they were. Yeah. And then B, the Astros are going to remind them just how bad they are. Right. Which they do. Mitch is unfiltered. Episode 158 is now officially underway with Hot Shot Scott. What do you got? Russell Wilson's second TD pass to Tyler Lockett had an air distance of 59.4 yards. His second longest TD in terms of air distance since 2016 for next-gen stats. Air distance is point to throw to point of target. In case anyone's really into air distance, I didn't even yeah. know that was something that people kept track well, of. I don't it's know. Not that complicated, Hotshot. I don't say it's complicated, but I don't know. Do people are into air. Do they really give a crap? How far the ball <laughs> travels from your hand, from the quarterback's yeah. hand to the wide receiver's hands? Is that interesting? Air distance. Okay. I think it's more interesting than you do. Uh, yeah, I think. Apparently, you, do. you don't think it's interesting. Want me to tell Brady when we have him on? I, I'm just good with Hotshot. Doesn't <laughs> like your air distance tweet. I don't know if I don't like it. I just don't know it was necessary. It just made me laugh. I'm good with just counting the yards. I'll just go with that. He I'm had good. four touchdowns. He did. A perfect quarterback rating in a game is 150, or perfect passer rating, I should say, is 158.3. He was 152.3. I actually had to look that up, what, yeah. what perfect was, because yeah. I was like, I saw 152. Why do you I'm still like, have to look that up? How do you not know that? I by just now? Don't I've only told things. you that on this show a million and six times. Yeah, I just don't commit certain things. <laughs> I don't know why. I just don't commit to learning that. What is it, 158.3? 158.3. Okay. Ask me in three months and see if I, see if I commit. And he was 152.3. It's pretty good. Offensive line, pretty good. A little spotty, but pretty good. Yeah. He's got sacked three times. He got hit seven times. Chris Carson had like six yards of carry, so he was good. You like 32? Did you like how 32 was running the ball? I did, I, but when he had that 33-yard run yeah. and then was just gassed yeah. and rendered useless for the next Take three- me out. He always takes himself well, out of the game, yeah. And maybe he would have done it anyway, but when I think he didn't get any reps at nah, all. I don't know. No? Would have done it anyway. He would have done it anyway? That's that's Chris Carson, yeah. I, if I watch a game in 1985 and Marcus Allen has a 33-yard run, does he just automatically come out? If, if there's, or is it a different time? No. If there's anyone who has the right to be gassed based on the style with which they play, don't you think it's Chris Carson? That's a little come excusey. On. I mean, come on. Either he, you're the he, starting guy or not. I mean, He runs freaking hard. There's no question. And 33 yards is a pretty long there run. There was but. one play that you're not going to remember and that nobody's going to remember that I met. I was going to tweet it out, and then I didn't, whatever. There was just one, like, nondescript play okay. in, like, the fourth, either the fourth quarter or the third, second half, definitely. They were going right to left on your TV screen, and they handed him out. You're probably not going to remember this, and it doesn't really matter. But I, I, in, I, in my mind, I said to myself, Mitch... Why'd you listen to New Heisel on your bets? And <laughs> and um, that is Chris Carson in a nutshell. Right there in microcosm, there's Chris Carson. It was a nondescript play. They gave him the ball in like the third, late third quarter, early fourth quarter. They're going right to left. And he was caught way behind the he – was, he was dancing way behind the line of scrimmage. He okay. may have been five or six yards behind the line of scrimmage. The other team broke through, you know, the, the Colts – Broke through, and he was in trouble. It looked yeah. like he might go down. And he sidestepped a guy. This is five yards behind the line of scrimmage. He kind of sidestepped a guy, and then he went straight forward 
I mean like in a straight line and put his head down, yeah. and he ended up getting six yards on the play. Huh. It was second and four after that play. He was dead for <laughs> – it was going to be second and 15. Wow. He turned second and 15 into second and four by just making one guy miss and then putting and then just deciding I'm going to go as hard as I can straight line yeah. and I, you probably don't remember the no. play but uh north and south he, just completely north and then and then he hit a guy and then his offensive line kind of pushed him from behind okay. and before you knew it he went from miss he went from losing three or four yards to gaining six yeah. I was like I should tweet that out. I should review that on my on my TV, I should take the video and I yeah. should I say this is Chris. This is why you paid Chris Carson to come back and play for the Seattle Seahawks. I, I tweeted anyway. out one day the country's going to learn about Chris Carson. I don't know when it's going to be, but boy is he good. Now, there's somebody that's on this podcast who once asked me whether he thought whether I thought Tyler Lockett is yeah. overrated. Yep. And the inference was that that person you yeah thought that Tyler Lockett was overrated. I thought he disappeared too much. Yeah. yeah. You still you, you still feel that way? I mean, I'm not After just... After one week, you're going to ask No, no, me? no. Just, just since we had that conversation probably... I don't even know if it was last year. It might have been 2019. No, I, mean, I think it was last year. It was last it year? It was like nine or ten games. I think he went like three or four without any catches. And I was yeah. just like, what happened yeah. to him? Yeah. No, you came in... No, that's not what you said. You came in and you said, is he overrated? Yeah, is maybe. Tyler, is Tyler yeah, Lockett overrated? He's a little overrated. You don't think that Tyler Lockett's overrated. It's easy to say now after one game forget with two touchdowns. Touchdowns. Forget, forget this game. <laughs> yeah, okay. Oh, Just okay. since we've had the conversation. I mean, maybe, maybe you do. I, I don't it's know. It's okay. You can stand think, by your guns. I just think he disappears sometimes too much. I think all wide receivers do. Oh, they, uh, that's a thing. They all oh, disappear. Oh, I think if you go if you go through... Pick the best wide receiver... Uh, I mean, Julio Jones back in his prime five years yeah. ago. Go look at Julio Jones week to week to week, and you'll find two – because I used to have him on my fantasy team. I yeah. can tell you for sure. Julio Jones, when he was at the at his absolute best and maybe a Hall of Fame wide receiver, mm -hmm. he'd go two, three weeks in a row with catching one or two balls and yeah. being nondescript, and then he'd catch, catch eight for 246 yards and three touchdowns. Right. And then he – I think all wide receivers go through that. And the other thing that I would say about Tyler Lockett is the reason why I, I categorically, categorically refuse to go along with you on that yeah. is because I don't think I think he's underrated. I don't not only do I not think he's overrated, I think he's underrated. I don't think he's the problem is he's not rated. People, when they think of wide receivers for the Seahawks, they think of DK Metcalf now. Now they do. Yeah. Um he's never mentioned. He's never mentioned amongst the 10, the 5 or 10 wide receivers in the NFL. No, never. No, no, no. He's never mentioned as a pro bowl guy. All the guy does is, first of all, catch everything that's in his area. Do you recall ever being like disappointed with the dropsies or anything like that with Tyler? No. He catches everything in his area, yeah. and he catches things he's not supposed to catch. And, you know... he. What did, did he have 100 catches last year? I think he may have had 100 catches last know. year. Now you're going to make me shit on one of my favorite players, Tyler Lockett, and go back and look at the games he disappeared? Is that, is that what you're going to make me One of now? your favorite players? Well, I mean, he's a Seahawk. I like him. And well, now, no, now you're going to make I'm, me rip the guy? Make, I'm not making you rip <laughs> on not making you I rip just, on If he disappears for three or four games... He, and he's going to. Okay. Then that doesn't mean someone's overrated. Depend, depending upon what your... De what is your definition of disappearing? You know, having zero or one, maybe two catches a game. Or like, yeah, I feel like there was a couple, like maybe three weeks in a row where he didn't catch anything. He had like one catch. And I'm, was, I'm sure he did. I'm sure. Yeah. I'm not doubting that you, you, don't, you, you read that wrong. Yeah. You didn't read that wrong. I'm telling you, look at all the great wide receivers, even the great, great, the ones that we don't talk, that are much bigger than Tyler Lockett. Right. They all have those games. Okay. They all have those games. All right. So now I have to keep track of this all year. No, you don't. To try to prove my point that maybe he is a little bit at times. Is this what I have to do now? 
You're forcing me to take a side to, to back no, up. No, I'm not. I'm not. I'm trying to tell you that you don't have to do that because okay. I'm telling you that other wide receivers suffer through those same two or three weeks. At the yeah, look at the numbers at the end. Okay. At the end of the day, look at the numbers at the end, and I think he, I, I I don't know. Pull it up. I think he had close to 100 catches last year. He might have. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I thought did he get hurt? Maybe or is that the year before? Well, I don't think last year. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'll, I'll look Man, it up. I'll I have think, it next time. I don't know. It's it's really hard to come in here and say he's no, overrated not, after that. No, he's, no, no. I mean, he had four. He only had four catches. Yeah. So well, maybe, they were so pretty maybe impactful. <laughs> and they're pretty. Don't, don't you love Russ? I mean, what was there? How much time was left when he hit him for sixty-nine yards? I mean, there wasn't much time no, left. No, 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 no. Yeah. I mean, right a, a lot of quarterbacks. I mean, you know, maybe played it safe. Or, hey, yeah. just forget it. We're just chucking it down the middle. And I don't. I love that about Russell. He takes chances. He's just a gunslinger. Well, it's not just Russell. It's the new offensive coordinator. Got to give him. Shane Waldron, a little bit of credit. Yeah, I have that on my notes. There a were a couple for you. Yeah, there were a couple of little sleight of hand, guys in motion, fly sweeps to D. Eskridge. You saw that before he got popped and they took him out of the yeah. game. You saw a little misdirection tight end screen. How'd you like that little misdirection tight end screen to Everett? Loved it. And then he raced up the field for like 11 yards, yeah. but it was like, it was fancy. It was like everybody was going one way, then he was going yeah. the other way. It's creative. It was very, Who it was knew? Very, very quick hitting. Like the Husky guy. You're not going to get hit. Russell Wilson's not going to get hit on a play like that because right. it happens really quick. There were some, you know, some nice things. And, and I love, uh, I hate to say it too loud because... We all know that Will Disley is a staircase away from getting hurt again. He's hurt every year, Will, yeah. Will Disley. But Will, the combination of Will Disley and Gerald Everett. The whole thunder and lightning thing is kind of played nice. out. But they, they kind of nice. are thunder and lightning, aren't they? It's very nice. It's, that, that one drive, I think it was the second drive, Russell threw four passes and they were all to tight ends. Two to Disley. I didn't realize that. Two to Everett. And then yeah. Everett scored. Yeah. It was like, I love it. I so love you this. got you got those two guys. Oof. You got the two receivers. You've got the the third guy, number one, D. Eskridge. Yeah. If he, you know, so you got Chris Carson. You got Russell Wilson. You don't you don't have a lack of firepower on offense. That's for sure, right? Well, we they said have that plenty. Like- they have plenty at his fingertips. He's got plenty yeah. of, of of toys at his fingertips. Well, you said last year the defense just needs to be adequate. If the defense can be just adequate, they'll be an amazing team. The defense yeah. was crappy half the year and pretty yeah. good and they were still 12 and 4. Yeah. What what if the defense plays close to what we saw Sunday? See, I think do you th- I think they were a little better than adequate. I think there's people here that think that they were fantastic on Sunday and that's yeah. fine. I thought that the defense was better than adequate, but not spectacular. They got a, a little bit of a pass rush. They got to him three times. They knocked him down 10. They got 10 knocks. So that's good. Yeah. You know, the corners were fine. Trey Flowers got beat a couple times, but they're going up against wide receivers for the Colts that no one's even no one even knows who they are. Yeah, and Carson Wentz didn't look Carson great. Carson Wentz. They're but not playing him every week. He had 102 passer rating, which is pretty good. If he yeah. finishes the if he finishes the season with 102 passer rating, he will have had a great year for the Indianapolis Colts. So he had a 102 passer rating against the Seattle Seahawks. And they did a good job on the run. I think they I think they limited the running game to 3.8 yards a carry. Anything yeah. under four is good. Yeah. Not spectacular. I mean, 2.5, 2.3 is spectacular. They were they were good. They were solid. I thought Brooks was great. Uh, Wagner was very good. I got a chance to see Daryl Taylor make an impact. I've been waiting for that for how long? I, I had to tweet you about that. Just oh my put, god! You got one little mark on your tally. On More your than one. <laughs> well, he had one sack. He had one sack, but but yeah. he but he he crushed the quarterback a couple times. Yeah. So no, he looks. I've been waiting to see the Daryl Taylor thing. I saw Rasheem Green play well. Played great. Very very well. I don't know. 
What about Bobby Wagner? Another day at the office with 13 he tackles? Had 13 ta- I think they combined for 24. Him and Brooks combined for yep. 24 tackles. Yep. So, is it, look, it was a it was a, a perfect, and I don't want to say perfect, but it was a really, really, really good start considering yeah. you're going to play 17 of these things, A. B, you played on the road. I think at the end of the season, the Colts are going to be in the mix when Mr. Playoffs comes around yeah. and he starts doing the AFC. I think the Colts will be somewhere in the mix for a, a wild card team. So that wasn't a horrible team that you played on Sunday. You played them at their place. Fans are returning. It's an indoor stadium. Yep. I think all things considered, you got out of there with pretty a pretty slight amount of injuries, yeah. although I like to hope the DS Gridge isn't in like concussion protocol or whatever, ha- whatever happens there. But... Yeah, I think overall, I think you, you got to be thrilled as a Seahawks fan for that start. And we were worried about them not getting any reps in the preseason at all. Right. And they, considering they got no reps, they looked pretty well oiled out there. Yeah, I thought that the you know the funny thing is that first drive. Well, the if you want to talk about the first two drive, the the first drive on defense, the first Colts drive, and the first drive that the Seahawks had on offense. Mm-hmm. The first Colts drive took. They took like eight and a half, nine minutes off the clock, and they settled for three. Right. They got up to a three. And a, but the Seahawks are one slight offsides by Jamal. Remember, Jamal Adams came up on the first third down, yeah. and he ends up making the sack, but he got he got across the line early, and so it's a penalty, and he gets the first down, and then they, they were this close to getting off the field after three, right. three plays. As it turns out, it ends up being like a 15-play drive. Yeah. And then the Seahawks on offense – I don't know. You go back to that first drive. They scored seven on the touchdown pass to Tyler Lockett, but they were having trouble running the ball. He was having trouble getting protection. Yeah. He was scrambling around. He threw an incomplete pass. He 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 kept the drive alive a couple times with his legs. Yep. I think he darted out of there. Eleven yard run. That first drive could have ended very easily with a whimper. Yeah. And somehow it just stayed alive. And then he made the big play to Tyler Lockett, the the Willie Mays catch and. They're, they're up 7-3, so. Are you feeling, I mean, you're feeling good about the defense, or are you feeling like you still need to see more? I, are you I, feeling better than last year, at least? Or same? I think it's just too soon. I, okay. Because I, I, I'm feeling better about the defense. That look, they look better to me out there. I didn't see Trey Flowers getting crushed. He got beat once for a touchdown, but that's a one-on-one play with no help I think you're talking, I, I, I think the reason that I'm not going to. Three sacks. It's Carson Wentz okay. and, and, and three receivers that we don't know. Yeah. No T.Y. Hilton, I guess, yeah. It's Carson Wentz, and this is probably one of the more anemic pass games that they're going to face all year. Passing teams are going to... So I'm I'm not willing to say I feel much better about them. I've got to see how Trey Flowers and D.J. Reed yeah. and everybody else holds up against Julio Jones and A.J. Brown this week for the Titans, the Rams guys, the, the wide receivers of the... Uh, of the, the 49ers wide receivers twice. I mean, they're, they're going to play some good wide receivers. They're not going to play the Indianapolis Colts wide receivers every week. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm reserving judgment on the pass defense. Okay. But we'll see. And they were out that Fisher, that lineman too. That yes, Col- the Colts, left tackle. Colts yeah, he's coming back from a, uh, an Achilles. He was never going to play. Colts yeah. fans are ready to get rid of Reich. They, they were all bitching about Fisher not being in there. You I mean, all, you, you keep track of that. I right? love it. I, I love bulletin boards I, and all that I stuff. I soak in the other team's tears like heroin. <laughs> I love it when they're just they, they. It's never the Seahawks look pretty good. It's just their team is doing something wrong and the coaches suck every time. And I love reading it. That's all. Do you think Diggs looked pretty good? I, I was yeah, happy yeah, with yeah, Diggs. yeah, yeah. Diggs came up and made some great Boy, plays in the run game. He's good on the yeah. run. Yeah, I, I love yeah. any DB that can play the run. Yeah, it makes me so happy. I thought Jamal Adams had for him a very quiet day. Hmm. I don't think that Jamal Adams did a whole hell of a lot. 
Yeah, they, he they, made some noise on that early sack, but it got called back because he was offsides. And they sent him a few more times. Yeah, and he but didn't, for the most part, didn't they didn't there. send him. They he he stayed back. Yeah, for the was, most I, part. I saw that. Like, I think it maybe like two times they yeah. sent him and he couldn't get home. Well, oh, it had to be more than two times. Well, two that I could just I right. could think of. I'm sure it right. was more, but because right. I was watching him when he comes up to the line. Good day for the Seahawks. It was yes, much better day for the Seahawks than the previous day for the Dogs. I know, I know, Seahawks fans love this kind of crap, but this is Pete and John's twelfth year together. And how much did they win by? They won by 12. Oh, Jesus. What an omen for the 12th man. It's already starting, everybody. Buy your Super Bowl tickets now. Where is the Super Bowl this year? Do you know? Good question. L.A., maybe? Uh, maybe Vegas? No, I don't know. Uh, anyway. I don't know. There you yeah, go. Yeah, L.A., that sounds right. Okay. The new stadium? Yeah, yeah that, so. sounds, that actually sounds right. There yeah. you go. It's an yeah, omen. I'd like to go. Want to go? Let's do it. I'm in. Let's go. Yeah, you know, what do you want to say about the Huskies? Do I have to? Yeah. I see that Dylan Morris, yeah, not, not Dylan Moore. Moore. Yeah. By the way, can Dylan Moore play quarterback for the no. Huskies instead, please? No. I like him. Let him learn how to play second base. Oh, well, he hits the ball. One well. thing, at, one thing at a time. Okay, fine. I, I know that he's taken a lot of heat for the offense. Yeah. I, some of that play calling. I, it's horrendous. Like, we can't put this all on Dylan Moore. I, I don't Morris. know. Dylan Moore. I can't get it right. Dylan <laughs> Moore. I, can't, I, I don't know what I was looking at on that third and fourth down. Two... Option two read options. Are you serious with a horrendous. quarterback? It's horrendous. Who's no threat to run? Horrend- it's what? it. It's so outwardly horrendous. Hot shot. Yeah. It's so outwardly horrendous that we shouldn't even spend much time on it because it's like, it's not even a, a debatable topic that people will find interest in because it's, it's everyone just agrees. It's it's completely. It's there is no defense okay. for that coaching staff the first two games. Yeah. Does that mean fire him after two games? Probably not, but oh my God. However disappointed you are in the players at the University of Washington, however disappointed you are, whatever you think of Dylan Morris as a quarterback, whether he can make it or not, or their offensive line or their wide receivers or their depth at wide receivers, whatever it is that you think of, put it away for a second because the coaching staff is in over their heads. The guy calling the plays, John Donovan, I'm assuming he's calling the plays. He called a running play on the first six first down plays of the game. Yeah. Up the middle? I up the middle. <laughs> up the middle. Time up the middle. I I challenge you. I challenge you in 2021. And nobody's going to do this because no one would take the time to do it. But the point is still the point. I challenge you in 2021 to find any college football coach or any pro coach who calls plays. Find me one example in the last five years, and you can take any game you want in college or pro. Okay. There's like 16 pro games every Sunday. You can look at 50 college games right. every Saturday, right? You find me one game matching any level of team where a team ran the ball on the first six first downs of a game in the year 2019, 2020, 2021, 2018, 2017, 20. I bet you that if anybody would take on this task, nobody would. <laughs> yeah. But I would bet you, you couldn't find one. Right. Find me a wishbone team. Even a wishbone team <laughs> would, would not run the ball yeah. on the first six first down plays. Does that make sense? First six first yes. down plays. The first the six first downs. They, they, the they, first they, six yeah. first downs, the guy ran oh, the ball in the middle. God. And here is the joke of the matter. Now you might say, Mitch, are you, are you sure? I'm not sure, but I'm telling you, you would have to go really deep to find any football coach in the last five years yeah. that did that. But here's the joke. That's not even the joke of the matter. 
They weren't even good running the ball. Yeah, right. Now, if you told me they averaged 26 <laughs> yards a carry. Right, not even their strength. Yeah. If, if you said to me, okay, yeah, they ran the ball for the first six first downs because on every running play, they got 8, 10, 12. They didn't get one on, on those six plays that I'm talking about. Four yards was the best play they had. So not only are they running it, they're not even running it because they're so good at it. They're just right. running it. Right. And they're putting the guy, I don't know, look, Dylan Morris, he's probably not that good. Right. Everybody thinks he's lousy, throws behind, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'd like for you to go out there. I'd like for freaking Russell Wilson to go out there and be forced to hand the ball off for two yards or one yard on the first down every single, right. and then get into a second and nine right. and third and eight. Good luck, you, kid. You, you try playing on the, under those circumstances. It's ridiculous. These guys are ridiculous. They're coaching the team like it's 1965. Right. Like, that's the way we play football anymore. Some people are just meant to be coordinators. I know it's early for Jimmy Lake's It's way career, too early. But some people are just meant to be coordinators. The head coaching I don't is not know. for everyone. I don't know either, but it seems I know like a hell of a nice guy, Jimmy well, Lake. That doesn't make him one a good football oh. coach. I mean, oh. so I was reading about this Donovan, this, this offensive coordinator. Yeah. He followed the head coach, whoever it was, in 2014 to Penn State. Right. And there was a Franklin. lot of. I think that sounds right. Yeah. There was a lot of uproar from the Nittany Lion fans about questionable play calling in 2014, right. and he was fired in 2015. And he, this is the guy Jimmy Lake brings in? Like, wow. The, the, this, this, okay. It's I, awful. I've never called plays higher than— I don't even know why we're talking about it. But so I, it's, it's I have so, to get it out. Okay. I've never called plays higher than high school freshman football. I yeah. called plays at that— Okay, I'm— How'd that go for you? I'm no wizard. Yeah. We, had, we lost three games in three years. We were pretty yeah. good. Okay. I didn't call every play, but yeah. anyway. Yeah. Okay, the, the, the zone, well, it was a zone read option for us, the way we block. It's called an option because you have two choices. The quarterback can keep it yes. if he's fast. Yes. If you have Peyton Manning, you maybe don't want to run that. No. Okay, no. if you have a fast quarterback, like he me. proves you can get run, you yeah. can get yards, yeah. or you hand it to the running back. Yeah. Go watch those, those options, those read options. Look how many defenders went to, to Dylan Morris to, to play it honest. Just go back and look. Look how many rushed out to him in case he kept it. They just all just went... There was no chance that he was going to keep it, and everybody on Michigan knew it. Everybody. Uh, what's going on? What's happening? Well, How do you get out coached by Jim Harbaugh? Well, <laughs> I mean, good others God, have gotten out coached by Jim Harbaugh. Like, oh, my gosh. Well, this is not, I mean, I, I thought maybe I was ready to give him the benefit of the, of the doubt. Montana, okay, they had a bad game. They overlooked him, they weren't ready for him. And actually, in the first half against Michigan, it was a 10-3. I mean, they, they didn't yeah. get blown out in the first half. Because Michigan's not what you're going to find out. Right. Here's what you're going to find out, yeah. is that Michigan's not very good. Right. That's right. They'll be like 6-6 six and six this year. And you'll be like, I okay, don't know about 6-6, six and six, but you're going to find out. We're going to be three-quarters of the way through the season, oh, and I'm going to point out to you that Michigan's like losing games to guys that teams that they shouldn't lose to. Right. It is, it is, it's, it's unquestionably one of the worst starts by a coaching staff I've ever seen. I mean, college, I, in major college football. I don't want to be the sky's falling, but I, I, if, if... Well, the sky is falling. If Sam Heward transfers, I'm not going to be surprised. Why is Sam Heward going to transfer? Do you want to play for this team? I mean, look, they can't beat Montana at home. It's two games. It is two games. They're going to they're gonna hear it. They're going to see it. They're going to watch it. They're going to change. You would think they're going to adjust. They're going to throw the ball a little bit more. They'll get a little bit more sophisticated. They'll get some of their wide receivers back. Maybe they'll give Sam Heward a chance to throw the football. Uh, I'm not ready to go down the hole. Sam Heward's now going to transfer. Well, I didn't because say they he's went going to, but I won't be surprised if he leaves. I just won't. They, wh how come recruiting was down so much this year? I mean, they, they lost a lot of good recruits. The, yeah, yeah. There's a reason. The, well, the yeah. I mean, this is this just this looks like another ten year span of Oregon just dominating them 
after they sort of caught up. Remember Jake Jake Browning doing the wave in the end zone and getting the penalty? This like, team We're back. was supposed to be the sleeper to go to the final right. four, right. to go to the college football playoff. Phil Steele came on this show oh, and I said, know. hey, look at the schedule. Yeah. It, it's If they can win at Michigan, it plays right into their hands. They are the sleeper. They're the sleeper of the college football playoffs. That's what people were saying yeah, about them. Okay. Were, were they number 20 to kick off the year? Oh, I think higher. Oh, were they? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, what's everyone bad. looking at? I don't know. It's bad. I mean, it's like you had a whole offseason to really prepare. Bad. Now you're just going to hand the ball up the middle. This is your offense in 2021 with all these complex, you know, lots of moving part offense. This really, is your really offense? Really, really bad. Really, really bad. Like, wow. Really unsophisticated. Really, really bad. Okay, let's do three interviews. We'll get the uh, we'll get the note table on in here. We'll get Rick Neuheisel in here. He'll have some thoughts on Washington's loss. He thought Washington would beat Michigan. We'll get his thoughts on Washington against Mi- – yes? Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Go. I just got one yeah. more thing when you're done with your spiel. Yeah, my spiel. And we got the um, – we've got the Danny O'Neill interview. Oh, yeah. I can't right. wait to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Remember we were talking about Robert Turbin? Yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere? Yeah. Well, Utah State. We were talking right. about Utah State. Okay. Yeah. He's on the broadcast now for the Seahawks for pre and post game. I didn't know that. I didn't either. Like, who knew? I haven't thought of Robert Turbin in like five years. I go to get my ribs at halftime. Delightful, by the way. Thank you for asking. Yeah. And I turn it on. uh, It's called Roadies. It's in Preston, Washington. Yeah, I know Roadies. Oh, do you? Yeah. That's really good. If anyone likes barbecue, it's worth the drive. I think I know what it is. I think I know where it is. They actually burned down a couple years ago. Yeah. And I I thought they were just not going to open. Isn't that that little village of shops? That that little. Very small. Yeah. Yeah. It's across from like where Elite Basketball is. Oh. Oh, that's Roadies. No, I'm thinking somewhere else. It's in Pre- There's a little shell station there in yeah. Preston. Yeah, yes. It's just it's right there. Okay. And then the house I grew up in is right next to that, by the way. Just oh, really? Coincidentally really? enough, yeah. So you got your barbecue. I got and I, Robert Turbin's on the broadcast. Really? Who knew? Really? I didn't know he was still yeah, but around. The, but the, with the way things are going, it'll be three weeks. He'll be done. That's and it'll right. be and it'll be on this show in four weeks. <laughs> that's right. By the way, I didn't hear Dory on there. I wonder did they get rid of Dory? I didn't. Maybe he's on vacation or something, or he took it. I didn't hear. You him. don't know what? I don't think Dory's been on the broadcast since the. The big, the big thing. I didn't know it was like a permanent thing. I just thought maybe they yeah, took I don't some think time he's off. Been, I don't think he's been back. Oh, he's not back. Okay. I, I don't know. I, don't I didn't know. know. I okay. don't know. And there you go. All right. Three interviews, episode 158. Other stuff, stuff coming up. You know, there's just no better place to celebrate special occasions than Daniel's Broiler. And here's the CEO, Lindsay Schwartz. Hi, Lindsay. Hey, good to be back on. Let's start. The new downtown location, you're finally reopening it on a smaller level. Explain that to us. Yeah, finally. It's crazy to think. We've been closed for 15 months, but we feel like the time is right. Uh, there hasn't been a lot going on in downtown Seattle, but it's starting to pick up. So we're going to start small. We're just going to open the lounge Tuesdays through Saturdays. It opens at 4 o'clock, and we'll be doing our Bar Bites menus. It's got some steaks on there and drinks. And if you're downtown Seattle, Come visit us. The Hyatt Regency in downtown Seattle. And with that opening, now we've got job openings at all four restaurants, right? You need people, you need employees, and it runs the gamut for you guys. Yeah, and we're doing better. We've been getting staffed up, but we still definitely have openings at all four locations, all positions in the kitchens and the dining rooms, full-time, part-time very flexible, so if you know anybody or if you're interested, please come on in and see us. I'm not a huge drinker, but this bourbon bash that you do every year gets a lot of play. I think this is going to be your 10th anniversary of the bourbon bash, and it's a pretty big thing, a pretty big deal for you guys each year. Yeah, that's right, and I'm excited that we're able to keep the streak going and get the 10th one in this year. Number nine was in March of 2020, right before everything got shut down. Now that this will be the first big event that 
we've done in a long time. So it's happening at Daniel's Bellevue on September 18th at 5 p.m. We've already sold a lot of tickets. We've sold out our VIP tickets, but we have the uh, general admission tickets still available, but not too many. Special occasions, special events. And go to danielsbroiler.com if you'd like ticket information for the 10th annual Bourbon Bash at Daniel's Broiler world-class steakhouses unfiltered play clock at two third down and six Wilson to the end zone what an adjustment and the catch made for a touchdown by Tyler Lockett second and six to the end zone touchdown DK Special teams all across the board. Everybody did their job today, and, and it's a great start for us. So I was really fired up about, about this accomplishment to get the thing started. I like the challenge of going on the road against such a good team in, in a you know, a, you know really noisy setting and all of that, and we handle all of it. Um, Russell played fantastic football today. Uh, he got terrific help from his guys catching the football, and the pass protection was really solid as well. But really, the day to me is really goes to Shane. I think his first time out um, and a chance to show it and, and – uh, I'm really, really proud of what he was able to do because he went for it the whole time. Seahawks 28, Colts 16. Somebody on this roundtable, I think, had 27-17 and has been gloating on Twitter all day. It's funny. It's funny, Brady. When he doesn't win, I don't hear any – I don't see anything on Twitter about the KP. But as soon as he sticks one close – we hear from Joe Fan all day, right? Yeah, well, why would you post on Twitter that you shot a 95? You know, you don't <laughs> brag about that. You just remember the good times. This is like my Instagram stories. It's always pictures of golf swings, but there is never, you know, if I shank a shot or if I hit a okay. yeah, you don't huge slice. There's no way that that's going on Instagram. Okay. okay. Yeah, okay. take that, Mitch. Okay. Seahawks No Table Time with Brady and Joe. It's brought to you by Taco Time Northwest and their continuing search for new team members, 15-minute virtual interviews for all positions online. Great with perks. They've got signing bonuses up to $5,000. TacoTimeNW.com slash careers. Joe Fan, as solid an opening script as Pete Carroll could have penned in Indianapolis on Sunday. Yay? Absolutely. I mean, you have the, the nine-minute drive to open the game for the Colts, your defense bends but doesn't break. And from there, it was pretty much all Seahawks. And, you know, you, you come right out of the gate and, and you score your first couple of drives. Russell Wilson was damn near flawless with 254 yards and four touchdowns on 18 of 23 passing. Tyler Lockett, vintage, two long touchdowns, one an incredible adjustment over the shoulder grab. DK Metcalf got involved late. We saw the tight ends involved with Will Disley and Gerald Everett. Chris Carson was was fantastic. The Eskridge... Uh, the end rounds is uh, is a is a new wrinkle that we were excited to see with with him as the second round pick and Shane Waldron now pulling the strings uh, offensively. So a, a tremendous outing for Seattle against a very good football team in, in Indianapolis. I mean, not a great quarterback in Carson Wentz, but but top to bottom, that roster is very talented. I thought it was a, a mix of old and new, and and you know, for as different as this offense is going to look under Shane Waldron with the tempo and with the pre-snap motion uh, and with more of an emphasis on the short and intermediate throws and getting the running backs in the uh, passing game and the receivers in the run game. That throw to Tyler Lockett was just something that, I mean, how many times have we seen that? Uh, that it's the thing of beauty, a moon ball. Um, 
and you know, this, the one thought I've had is that I, there's been a lot of conversation. I've talked a lot about you know, how they're going to have a better you know, short and intermediate passing game to keep defenses honest. That, that's not going to come at the expense of their deep passing game because why would it when you've got maybe the best deep ball thrower in Wilson, uh, two of the better deep threats in the NFL and Tyler Lockett, and DK Metcalf and uh, that that moon ball that that Wilson threw to Lockett for the second touchdown between those two guys that was just a, a thing of beauty and uh, something that you see them do a lot and um, ideally for them we'll see a lot this season. Joe, is it time to be talking about Russell Wilson as one of the great deep ball throwers of all time, not just this generation? I mean, it's very very rare where he's got a wide receiver 40 or 50 yards down the field with like a step where he doesn't drop the ball right in the bread bag. He doesn't miss many of those. I think it's been time to talk about that. I mean, what's what's remarkable is he's been in a decade, or he's been in the, the league for a decade, and that second half slump he had last year was really the first elongated slump he's really had during his career, um, especially this last, you know, five, six years. So, yeah, he has long been one of the league's best deep ball throwers, and, and certainly... Um, you know, that app attribute would compare favorably to any quarterback in, in, in the NFL history. So, um, you know, it's, it's obviously a lofty thing to say and one that's sort of hard to, you know, objectively state as fact. But, you know, I'm comfortable saying it for sure. Let's uh, let's hand out some taco time game balls or burritos. You can call them whatever you want. It's no secret that taco time is looking for good people to do some work. Right, Brady? Do some work. So I want to know. Work. That's right. I want to know each of your game balls. Who was doing work for the? Now you can go with the obvious. You can just Brady. We'll let you go first. You're in Indianapolis. If you want to take Russell Wilson because of his four touchdowns, and you just want to stop right there, that's fine. If you want to dig a little beneath the surface, you're able to do that. Who was doing work out there? on Sunday, Brady. I'm going to be a team player here, a, a Taco Time team player, and I'll, <laughs> I'll leave the obvious one to you guys. One of you guys can take that. Uh, I think a, a less obvious one was Daryl Taylor, and really their pass rush as a whole. Uh, but Daryl Taylor was the guy that jumped out to me. And Rasheem Green, is, you can pick either of those guys. But that sack that Daryl Taylor had on, I think, fourth and two when he got around the edge uh, and hammered Carson Wentz for a nine-yard loss, that was exactly, uh, this is an obvious point, but that was exactly what the Seahawks you know, saw when they took him in the second round last year and they thought he was the second best pass rusher in that draft behind Chase Young. And so uh, it's been a long time coming because he missed, the, obviously, his rookie season. But that is everything the Seahawks hoped he would be. And, again, if this defense, if this pass rush is as good as it looked, that can open up a lot of doors, cover up a lot of deficiencies on the perimeter for that defense. I just, yeah, I, I, mean, I just saw some tears from Joe Fan because you took Daryl Taylor off the board. His boy. You took fans. How could you not leave Daryl Taylor for fan after all the year? The, <laughs> after the last year and a half that we've been listening to fan talk about Daryl. All right, Daryl Taylor's off the board, Joe. Brady Brady kind of mentioned my guy, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about Rasheem Green. Um, I mean, he was tremendous. Four tackles and a sack was was one of the driving forces in that pass rush, and one of the big reasons, probably the big reason, why L.J. Collier was a healthy scratch in this game. You know, a, a year three for L.J. Collier. This guy's not even playing in week one is a really bad sign for him and, and his trajectory with this team and, and maybe not for long in Seattle. Um, and it's a, it's a neat story because Rasheem Green, 
to, to me had last year was like the guy who you said, this is his time. They didn't do a whole lot in the offseason, didn't spend big on the defensive line. And he got beat out in the starting lineup by LJ Collier and really was a no-show after leading the team in sacks in 2019. He didn't do much at all in 2020. And, you know, I kind of looked at it this offseason and said, man, if LJ Collier continues to progress and this is where the depth chart is, you bring back Benson Mayoa, Carlos Dunlap, Kerry Hyder is now a new addition. Daryl Taylor is in the fold. Dalton Robinson. Oh, shoot. Is there going to be space for Rasheem Green? And I thought he was going to be a firmly on the bubble going into camp. And, and man, he was tremendous throughout camp. And he, he was tremendous again on Sunday uh, against uh, the Colts. So he, he's my game ball winner. Are you, um, are you convinced, Brady, that Rasheem Green was active over – was that the choice, LJ Collier or Rasheem Green, or was it Alton Robinson – or was it somebody else? Or will we never know the answer to that question? Yeah, I, I thought it was, you know, maybe Alton Robinson and Rasheem Green over over LJ Collier. And, you know, really, th- there was going to probably be one surprise when you think about it, just because they their entire roster was healthy. Right. It, nobody had any sort of, you know, questionable, doubtful out designation. So they were going to have to deactivate a bunch of healthy players. And I guess in, in when in retrospect, it makes sense that it was going to be one of those defensive linemen because they have 10 of those guys on their 53 you got to deactivate six guys. Uh, but, I mean, clearly it's a sign that, that Rasheem Green and Alton Robinson are ahead of Collier on the depth chart. Um, you know, that, the, the word from Carroll was just that this was sort of the way the numbers worked in this game because they were entirely healthy. So I, that's right. not necessarily the way it's going to be from here on out. We saw some guys get injured in this game. So uh, those decisions aren't necessarily going to be the same. But I think it is an indication uh, of where that pecking order looks like right now. Well, since taco times, burritos are kind of big. I'll give half a burrito to Russell Wilson. I mean, the guy had 152 passer rating. He threw for four touchdowns, no interceptions. Got off to a Russell Wilson kind of start, season start. He's already the front runner for the MVP in the first half of the season. We can, we can say that. And then Tyler Lockett's got to get at least a bite of a burrito here. He had four catches. He had two touchdowns. He had one great catch that Brady, uh, Brady Henderson was talking about. Uh, kind of a Willie Mays adjustment catch in the end zone. He just, you know, Tyler Lockett just keeps coming through for the Seahawks year after year. He may not be as spectacular as some of the other wide receivers in the league, maybe even not as spectacular as one on his team. But when the ball is thrown in his area, how often does he not make the catch? He seems to always make the catch. So I'll uh, I'll give half my burrito to um, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson. I don't know if they're willing to share, but... They'll have to share at least for uh, for Mitch Unfilter. Brady, injuries. Penny, D. Eskridge, Posick, Hart. Who am I missing? Anything serious? Go through them. Those were the, yeah, those were the four that we heard about from Pete Carroll. D. Eskridge and Penny Hart both suffered uh, head injuries, that, and they did not return. So got to wonder about their statuses for next week's game against Tennessee. Penny, Rashad Penny, uh, Carroll said that his calf tightened up. Uh, and that they kept him out for the rest of the game just uh, to play it safe, be- knowing that they had three other available tailbacks, and that didn't really have to had to did not really have to force the issue with Penny. But obviously, when you talk about another injury with a guy who's already suffered a ton of them, then anybody's ears are going to perk up there. And then Posick, uh, he suffered a knee sprain, and this was after he missed a ton of time in camp with a hamstring injury, which was what allowed Kyle Fuller. 
to win that starting job. And even then, they, those two guys were rotating. Kyle Fuller started in the game, but uh, Posick got a few turns there, and, and he hurt himself late in the game. And so Carroll didn't say, doesn't know what the severity is, but it's a knee sprain. So again, you got to wonder about his status as well for next week. So some curiosities, guys, going into the game. I know that Joe has said to us a couple times on the note table uh, that he was very curious to see this offense under Shane Waldron for the first time, the new offensive coordinator. What's your assessment? One game into a 17-game season, would you you see anything different from this offense than in previous years? Yeah, I, like Brady mentioned before, I think it was there were some new wrinkles, but it's still much of the same. Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, they're going to be who they are. But when you know, I noticed DK Metcalf going in motion pre-snap. You notice the the utilization of second-round pick D. Eskridge, the way. That, that they, you know, said they would in terms of getting him, you know, two carries um, on jet sweeps. Um, heck, even a quarterback sneak from Russell Wilson to pick up a first down is something I don't think we've ever seen from Russell Wilson, or at least seldom seen. Um, so across the board, it was uh, uh, with, with one offensive coordinator in Seattle having about the worst weekend you could possibly have uh, in Montlake. Uh, Shane Waldron had uh, a glowing uh, debut as the OC for the Seahawks. I thought he was tremendous. And, and we talked about on uh, before the game on Thursday or for the Friday show that is it going to be sluggish to start? They didn't play it all in the preseason. Did it matter? Are they going to have one or two drives where it takes them a second to get their timing down? And, and then just not at all. It seemed like they were marching and had a, a great rhythm throughout. Yeah, one more point on Waldron. I, I think he deserves credit for the way that he kept his foot on the gas uh, late in the first half. Remember, Wilson got sacked for a five-yard loss with like a minute and a half left. That brought up a second and 20 from their own 31. You know, that's a situation where a, a conservative team might just say, okay, uh, you know, let's head, into the, let's head into halftime, you know, not risk it. They, you know, they went for it, and that's when you saw uh, that deep touchdown pass from Wilson to Lockett for 69 yards. So uh, I imagine that Carroll was in on that conversation too. I mean, he's the one who's ultimately pushing the buttons. But uh, that was a nice aggressive play in a situation that you don't always see teams be that aggressive. How do we think the offensive line did, Brady? How did uh, Fuller do at center? How did Brown do missing all of training camp and the preseason? How did uh, uh, their new guard from the uh, from the Vegas Raiders, how did he do, Jackson? How did everybody do? I think all in all, it, it was fine. Um, I think three sacks and seven hits were the official numbers. It, it felt a little better than that, uh, to be honest with you. It didn't feel like, you know, if – like if you average three sacks for the entire season, that's a lot of sacks. It, it, the pass protection felt better, I think, than those numbers would suggest. It was pretty good, too, uh, on that, that deep throw from Wilson to Lockett. He had a pretty clean pocket there. And so, you know, what Wilson said about the offensive line and all the hits and sacks he's taken, you know, w- w- with what he said about February, just seems like this offensive line and their pass protection, the microscope is really going to be on them. And I think there's a danger in – micro analyzing every play and and every hit that he takes again you know not all hits and not all sacks are created equally so you always got to take those in context but i think overall this was a good start for them pass protection wise joe reed and flowers on the corners we've talked about that over and over and over again those were the starters they played against a colts team that will have no pro bowl wide receivers now in you know seven days from the colts game they'll face a tennessee team that's going to have some Hall of Fame wide receivers someday, although the first uh, first go-around for Jones and Brown for Tennessee against the Cardinals on Sunday was not good. Ken, is it a 
too early, way too early to, to assess the Seahawks' corners, right? I think so. I, th- I think they were fine. They weren't challenged a whole lot. I mean, Carson Wentz threw more passes to running backs than he did his wide receivers. So, um, you know, they gave up a couple of scores. Um, you know, I don't think it was, was their best game. I don't think we can really take away a whole lot. I, I think, to me, it was what I expected. It wasn't great, but it was serviceable, and that's what you hoped for. Uh, I don't know if the ceiling is going to be much higher with those two, but as long as the pass rush is generating pressure as, as frequently as it did on Sunday, the pressure is going to be taken quite a bit off of the shoulders of Trey Flowers and DJ Reed. So big thing is they came out healthy. Um, and, you know, I think Carson Wentz, to me, didn't look like he got any magic back being teamed back up with Frank Reich. Maybe you, you point to the foot injury where he was out during camp and a little bit of rust, whatever. But to me, that was the same old Carson Wentz. Not a lot there. Um, a guy who is more prone to check downs than deep balls at this point in his career. And, um, you know, the Seahawks took advantage for the most part. So 28-16, a very good first chapter of a 17-chapter book in 2021 for the Seahawks. I know there were a lot of Seahawks fans watching that were excited, as I was, for the combo of tight end play that we saw on Sunday. You got Everett on one hand, you've got Disley on the other. While he stays healthy, hopefully he can stay healthy the entire season. That combo in Shane Waldron's offense with Russell Wilson pulling the trigger, Brady, that seems like a fun tight end combo as we move forward. It really is, and, and I, I thought uh, Everett was pretty impressive. He had, I think, the 11-yard gain um, on, a, on a tight end screen with a nice catch and run there, obviously the, the touchdown. He also had another nice run after the catch on a play that I believe was called back, and that is an element that I think is really important to this offense because of, again, if there's an emphasis on sh- shorter, quicker throws, then you're not picking up, you're not getting those big gains just with the ball in the air. It, it really puts a, an onus on the players to make plays with the ball in their hands. Um, and that's something that Everett has shown that he can do. And, and that's going to be, I think, a dangerous combo with as much two tight end sets as they're going to run. And they're going to have another guy, uh, another part of that mix, it, it, Colby Parkinson. He's going to be eligible to come off IR in week three. We don't know if he's going to be ready by then. But the fact that there was some thought that he might make it back by week one, I think that bodes well for his chances of getting back in two weeks. Yeah, it, go ahead. It's worth mentioning real quick that I mean, the Seahawks were up 21 nothing, and DK Metcalf didn't have his first target yet. So that just it shows you how deep this collection of skill players is and how many players are touching the football. I mean, the balance was just tremendous throughout. And it's not just run-pass numbers in terms of be, trying to be 50-50. That, that's bogus. I don't believe in that in terms of what balance should be, you should be searching for. It's how many players you're getting involved. And, and you look at all the players who played a significant role offensively. We're talking about how nice of a game Gerald Everett had in his debut. He always had two catches. Chris Carson had three. D. Eskridge was involved. You know, Freddie Swain had a touch. And D.K. Metcalf got going in the second half after Tyler Lockett dominated the first half. So that just goes to show you. It's one thing if the Seahawks are struggling and you're not getting the ball to your best player. But when you can be up and scoring three touchdowns in a row um, without having D.K. Metcalf being a factor, it just kind of shows you have an embarrassment of riches um, on the offensive side of the football. Joe, they never let 21 nothing, considering that the Colts scored on their first possession to make it 3 nothing, And as a result of that faux pas that you just said 21 nothing. You lose one KP this season. One KP. Uh, did I say twenty-one nothing? Yeah, you said the Seahawks were up twenty-one nothing, and DK Metcalf had, hadn't touched the ball yet. Yeah, all right. <laughs> well, that's you fine. you lose a KP for that. 
So now we're back to even. You had yeah. tw- you had twenty. Whatever hogwash rules that you need to <laughs> sleep at night. That's you can you can tell yourself whatever you want. All right. He had twenty seven seventeen. That's a tap in birdie right there. It was twenty eight sixteen. Uh, I can remember you had. Would you have twenty three twenty something like that? Me, right? I had twenty three twenty one. Twenty three twenty one something like that. And I had yeah. uh, 30 to, I don't know what I had, 27 to 23. Actually, I was in position if they would have scored late. Joe, you were sweating that out a little bit, weren't you? Nah, no sweat. <laughs> Never a doubt. All right, Seahawks are 1-0. Tennessee next week here for the, the home opener. Brady Henderson in Indianapolis. And uh, Joe Fan in Vegas. Joey Vegas, the Seahawks note table. Thank you, boys. Thanks very much. Appreciate it, Mitch. All right, thanks, fellas. If you've listened to Mitch Unfiltered, Then you know, you know by now that Jordan Flowers and his squad has changed teams to cross-country mortgage, which means even better opportunities at your fingertips. And here he is, Jay Flo himself, Jordan Flowers. How are you, Jordan? Hey, I'm doing great, Mitch. Thank you so much. It's been a fun and active summer with this transition. I've talked to so many of your patrons and listeners that have followed us and been able to connect with us since we left. But uh, we are just learning so much more about this company than we even knew as far as products and what we're able to offer our clients and quick closings. And it's been phenomenal. Give us an example. You and I were talking before we started to record. Give me an example of something that you can do now, a product that's at your fingertips now that wasn't there with the other guys. Yeah, uh, we have a construction to perm product that has really been hard to get just for anybody locally. Banks have backed out on true custom construction loans. Most independent mortgage bankers don't have it. And we have it here. And it's one of the best I've seen since the early 2000s. I was talking to the head of the construction department just yesterday on a $1.4 million deal in Montana. And there are some really fantastic, unique things about our product that really make buying that lot and building that dream home a reality for people, including being able to finance in your payments during a construction so you don't ever have to make a payment during construction. It just gets accounted to the actual loan balance, as well as a lot of the issues tend to come down to draw requests with builders and getting their subcontractors paid quickly. Mm-hmm. We pay out based off the budgeted line item on the proposal versus having to submit invoices and receipts and then go through the process of paying out so a lot of great things here and you roll straight into a permanent 30-year fixed in the three to three and a quarter range right now so fantastic 30-year fix for it and if you're just in the market to refinance and and get better numbers on your current 30-year fix what are they and why would people that are sitting around with four percent interest rates why are they not making the call to you or somebody like you to explore their options? Well, if they're sitting in the high threes or above four, they've probably heard maybe I talked to your patrons too long, maybe, (laughs) who knows? But it's a fantastic time to refinance and rates are still in the mid to upper twos to low threes, depending on your situation. And it's a great time to tap into equity in the home if you've been putting off those home projects or you're wanting to go on a trip or invest or just have money ready to put into this crazy market. And I implore everybody to give me a call if you're thinking about refinancing mid threes or above, even low threes, depending, and you want to shorten the term. Mm -hmm. It's just the time to do it. And the Fed came out and said that they're going to maybe start tapering here soon, which could have impact on mortgage-backed securities and interest rates. So it's the time to do it. Phone number. You can always reach me on the cell, 425-890-2957. 
425-890-2957. That's uh, Jordan Flowers and his team now, the Kirkland office of Cross Country Mortgage, great partners of Mitch Unfiltered. Unfiltered. C.J. Verdell in the backfield. They give it to him. Watch out. C.J. Verdell at midfield. High stepping. Can the Bucks catch him? Verdell still running. Touchdown, Oregon. 77 yards on third down and three. The Huge back. hole for Corum. Goodbye. The one play after the fake punt gets them the first down. 67 episode 158 and you know you know that our football coverage both pro and college is brought to you by our good friends at taco time northwest a locally family-owned company for the last 60 years and they are looking for new people across the board at virtually every single location they've got incredible perks incredible packages compensation packages for their new employees including a five thousand dollar signing bonus for general managers new general managers two thousand dollar signing bonuses for assistant general managers taco time nw.com slash careers college football conversation time with well yeah, I guess he's my friend. <laughs> I always start by saying my old friend Rick Neuheisel, but my dad used to say, may he rest in peace like so many others. With friends like him, who needs enemies? <laughs> oh, gosh. I'll just tell the story real quickly for people who only listen to this segment. They don't listen to the rest of the show. Maybe they know it. Maybe they don't. This past weekend was actually a very big weekend in the state of Washington. Rick Neuheisel. We had legalized sports wagering available to Washington residents for the first time in the history of this state this weekend. So I said to myself, you know, it's it's focused on the um, the tribal casinos. So I got in my car and I drove towards Aldera and I stopped short of Aldera at something called the Snoqualmie Casino. And I had myself a little lunch, and I went to their big new opening of their their sports book. And I thought to myself, geez, I got to be one of the first people to make a wager legally in the state of Washington. And I've got my dear friend, Rick Neuheisel, telling me. Who's given you a lock. <laughs> Not a, well, you'll be happy to know that I went to the, I went to the window and I said, I want North Carolina State over Mississippi State. And first of all, the guy looked at me like, why would anybody bet on that game? But okay. I said, I, I, want, I want $50. I don't care what the spread is. My 50 my, hard American dollars. 50 hard American dollars. I don't give a rat's you know what about what the spread is. He told me, don't worry about the spread. Okay. And he punches out the ticket. I give him $50. He said, do you want anything else? I said, as a matter of fact, I do. <laughs> Don't I, take Washington. <laughs> I want not only do I want Washington, 
I want him on the money line. I don't want the points. Don't even give me the points. I want him straight up because my dear friend, because with friends like him who needs with enemies. friends like him. I want Washington straight up because he told me they're going to win the game against Michigan. And here's where you, oh. here's where you caught a break, Rick Neuheisel. What I didn't know was there's a law against being able to wager on teams from the state of Washington. So he rejected oh, the wager. Goodness. <laughs> yes. I found a way to win somehow, some way. So he gave me the stiff arm. He put his hand up and he said, I can't take that wager. I'm sorry. And I was angry at the time. But today, I feel very good about the fact that I wasn't allowed. So there you go. You feel better than Jimmy Lake and <laughs> countless Husky fans in the aftermath of that uh, oh, that, that one-sided affair. Listen, John Donovan, I'm sure, is a good coach, the offensive coordinator for Washington. But he has got to find a way to run the football. 115 yards in two games, Mitch is not going to get it done. And it's putting young Dylan Morris, and I know they've had some injuries at the wide receiver position, but it's putting him in such a precarious position, and it's not going to get better until they can run the football. But, okay, but what everyone is saying here is the play calling is is archaic in terms of when they're running and they're, when they're passing. I made a comment in the first segment of this podcast without being able to, to prove this, but I said, you, take, you go back and you look at every college football and every pro football game in the last three years, and you find me the last time that a team, a major college team or pro team, ran the football on the first six first down plays in a football game. And not only did they run on the first six first downs and put Dylan Morris in a hole, second and long, third and long. Not only did they do that, but they weren't having any success, as you just pointed out, running right. the ball. So, I mean, okay, if they were running at eight yards and they were gashing them at eight and nine and ten yards a clip, I can go for running the ball six times in a row on as first Michigan, downs. <laughs> as Michigan did when they came Correct. out in the second half. Correct. Listen, every coach in America and uh, has what we call a script. Mm-hmm. That we come out of the uh, out of the week of practice with 15 plays that we'd really like to see run early in the game, and they're designed so that you can see formations, that you can see how people line up to personnel groups, right. that you can take some you know some shots down the field. You, it's it's kind of like a boxer's plan when he gets out into the ring of jab, jab, maybe a haymaker, a little, you know, step back. See, you're, you're basically ascertaining what the heck their plan is. Sometimes within that 15 plays, if you're kind of going to go with the script, you, they might fall on first downs, but ideally anybody uh, will tell you that the perfect ratio of a first down call is a 50, 50 deal. You want to be 50% pass 50% run on first down only to get yourself into what you call a par down or ahead of the change so that your next call also makes the defensive coordinator know you're in a 50, 50 proposition. He never knows what you're going to do. So, what does it tell you with the way 
They're well, calling it tells plays. Me, it, they, it tells it, it, me they that don't have faith been... in their quarterback? Or what, what, what is the issue? I mean, if, to me, you make the game easier for the quarterback. If you have less faith in your quarterback, then you make the game easier for him, and you don't put him in second and third and long situations. You, you pass when the, when, the, right. when the defense is not expecting pass. These are only guesses because yep. I'm not in those uh, staff meetings and I'm not at practice, but Jimmy Lake – as a defensive-minded head coach, knows that to be an effective offense, you have to run the ball. So it may have been an edict from the head coach. We are going to we are going to establish a running game. I don't care what the heck, come hell or high water, we're going to find a way to run the ball because we can't be anywhere what we think we should be without it. And John Donovan may have overreacted to that edict. So where do the Huskies go from here? Well, they're in a hole. There's no question about it. But more important than the hole that they're in is the confidence level within the team. So this is a week where you'd like to, you know, chastise and cajole and do all the things to try to. But right now you got to look after your guys and bolster them and make sure that they're ready to play against Arkansas State. That's, that's what's most important, that they still believe the, the, the world ahead can be a very, very successful season. Nothing has been taken away from their Pac-12 uh, championship hopes, but their confidence level is down, and they've got to find a formula for success somehow, some way to run the football. Earlier in the day on Saturday, it wasn't all bad for the Pac-12 because the Oregon Ducks went as, I think, double-digit underdogs – to Columbus, yeah. Ohio, and really not only won a big football game, but this, I would think you're going to tell me, Rick Neuheisel, that the results of that game are going to have ripple effects on a lot of things going forward here this college football season. Well, now that I'm a part of the media, Mitch, I can tell <laughs> you absolutely we are prone to uh, exaggerate. Okay. There is no, no question. So uh, with the victory on the road in the shoe – Oregon is going to vault to the conversation of a playoff team. And obviously it was a very, very impressive win. CJ Burdell had 161 yards rushing. They ran for well over 200 yards again. Uh, this is, this is a very good football team and, and doing it on the road in that environment speaks volumes about what their potential is. I still believe, though, if you really look, the problem it isn't so much a exclamation point for Oregon, although we're not going to look at it this way. It really is a referendum on Ohio State defense. A year ago, they're the, the most yards any individual had against the Buckeyes was Adrian Martinez, the quarterback for Nebraska. He had 85 yards. Mm -hmm. In two weeks, they've given up 163 to Mohammed Ibrahim, the kid from Minnesota who's now lost for the season, right. and they gave up 161 to Verdell. That is a monster problem for Ryan Day. Hopefully, Oregon can use this as a confidence boost. We talked about confidence with the Huskies and go on and have a fantastic season for, for the sake of the Pac-12 and certainly for the Duck fans. But this, to me, is a bigger issue, red flag for Ohio State defense. Does does Clemson now with a loss in Ohio State, do they, they've got no room for error, right? You can't lose. Can they lose two and well, still get into the – Well, much to the excitement, much to the excitement of the college football world, Yeah, we have an open platform now. 
there are a lot of teams that have a chance to be part of this conversation. We started the season thinking there were five teams for four spots. Right. Georgia and Alabama are still in that role. Right. But everybody else, Oklahoma looked very vulnerable against uh, Tulane in the opener, winning 40 to 35. Everybody else is kind of in a big mosh pit of who could come out of it. And so UCLA is involved. Oregon is involved. Uh, Iowa is involved. I mean, it, it is a uh, – it's up in the air and then some. So it's exciting, are I we, think, for everybody who wanted a little variety. Are we ready to make Iowa the best team in the Big Ten right now or not? Well, they have played some fabulous old-school football. Uh, Spencer Petras, their quarterback, is still less than a 50% passer. Uh, they have had three picks in both of their games, both against quarterbacks that were coming back, thought to be really big-time players. Uh, Michael Penix from Indiana and Brock Purdy from uh, Iowa State. So this isn't like they're doing it against the Sisters of the Poor. They are a formidable defense. And if this is the year of the defense, think of all the low scores we've seen, then maybe Iowa is in this uh, conversation. Back to the Pac-12. USC was an 18-point favorite, Rick Neuheisel, against a team that I think had lost to Kansas State the week earlier by a couple of touchdowns. 24-7. to And Stanford came out and beat USC. I don't think I've ever seen a kicker thrown out of a game for targeting, but I saw <laughs> a kicker thrown out of a game for targeting. Boy, that USC law, I was thinking that USC and Oregon were the class the two classes of the Pac-12. Now I don't know what to think about USC. Well, it's going to start the conversation again. Is Clay Helton there for the long haul? Uh, he has been straddling the, 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 the divide of different th theories on what his long-term relationship will be with that program. This is only going to get the naysayers uh, speaking a little bit louder. They had 111 yards of penalties. So many times they had chances to get – the Cardinal off the field. They didn't, they just had a defensive pass interference. It, it, it just is one of those things that shouldn't happen to USC. If they're the USC, we want them all to be, if you're a lover of the PAC 12 and this is not a great Span uh, Stanford team, but they certainly uh, have benefited with this new quarterback they've got playing right now. So congratulations to David Shaw. How do you figure Rick that Notre Dame and Florida state play that epic ball game on national television. They both look like great football teams. <laughs> and then one week later, let me get this straight, Florida State loses to Jacksonville State on the last play of the game, and Notre Dame needs a late score to beat Toledo. Five or you know, five days later, maybe the letdown. I guess they say they talk about letdown. I didn't know if that's real or that's something that we made up in the media. Letdown games. Rick. Well, give Toledo and Jacksonville State credit. Let's start there. But when I watched the play of Jacksonville State's final play of the game touchdown to beat Florida State, I was in shock for so many reasons. One, the touchdown, but two, the defensive structure that was in play for the last play of the game where the only thing you can beat you is a touchdown. You've got to have people back and they didn't. And it was, it was shocking. And Mike Norvell's better than that. And as he's already said, it's, it's uh, non-excusable with respect to Notre Dame. I had a, I had a notion watching that game that their front seven, I know they've got Marcus Freeman. Now their defensive coordinator who came over from Cincinnati and everybody loves Marcus. 
but I don't think their team speed in that front seven is anywhere near what it was a year ago. And I don't think this is a problem that's going away anytime soon. I think with their schedule coming up, including Indiana, including Cincinnati, including Virginia Tech, I think Notre Dame's Jack Cohn's going to have to be really, really good. But how cool was it to see him have his finger pulled yes. back into socket Ooh. and then throw a, a winning Ooh. touchdown pass Ooh. as you wince, Ooh. as you wince. Ooh. Now, did you wince more for Cohn getting his finger pulled out yeah. or for the Mississippi <laughs> State victory? <laughs> I, I, I had little victories for me, Rick. All I need <laughs> nowadays from you is a game that, that has some suspense at the end. I don't like to be three touchdowns down in the third quarter of the fourth oh, quarter goodness. will I turn it off there's no question by the way Rick what the showcase the marquee game of the week upcoming is in the world of college football in the on swamp CBS on CBS in the swamp Alabama the Crimson Tide who don't look like they're going to lose they're going to win by anything less than 5 touchdowns at any point during the season. They go in a very healthy favorite against a Florida Gators team that's at home. It's always very exciting in the swamp. Do you give even Florida a chance to stay close with Alabama? I do and the reason I do is Dan Mullen. I think Dan Mullen is the most chameleon coach we have. In all of football. Really? In all of football. Really? Because he, ha- he has the ability to change with his personnel and still be on the edge of flamboyant within that, that style of play. We go back to Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott was not necessarily a thrower, but as Dan Mullen realized Dak Prescott was, he changed the offense over Dak Prescott's career, and now Dak Prescott's making $40 million a year. He did. Nick Fitzgerald became a 1,000-yard rusher at Mississippi State. He had Tim Tebow while he was coaching for Urban Meyer, and we saw what he was able to do there. He now then gets Kyle Trask, and last year gave the Tide their absolute best shot in a 52-46 loss in the SEC championship game, throwing for over 400 yards with that a massive receiver talent. Now he's got a kind of a dual-headed monster at quarterback, Emory Jones will probably get the start, but they've got this kid, Anthony Richardson, who in three carries had over 100 yards and in three passes had over 100 yards and two touchdown passes. The downside for Gator fans is Richardson looked like he pulled a hammy and we don't know his availability. It looked like he grabbed his hamstring as he was going into the end zone. We don't know his what his status will be, but somehow, some way, Emory Jones has that dual threat. We are going to see a chameleon-like offense confuse Alabama as well as they can be confused. So this game, I think, will be closer, but I still like the tie. It's one of three top 25 showdowns, Rick. This is an interesting kind of an odd scheduled game, Auburn and Penn State. You don't typically think of Auburn and Penn State playing a football game in the in the middle of the season. And you got Arizona State against a BYU team that upended Utah uh, a week ago. I guess it's time. It's time that uh, a Sunday is served. It was not much of a Sunday last week. <laughs> Last week, in fact, in fact, there's rumor that the Snoqualmie Casino is sometimes asking. you need vegetables. <laughs> sometimes you need vegetables. My mother said you need your roughage. 
The people at the Snoqualmie Casino are saying, when's that Levy coming back? We need him back here. The, he's, he's our bell cow, for God's sakes. You go walking in there with your head high this week. I've got a couple of thoughts, but then I'm going to lead to what I'm going to give you. All right. I, I, I like Michigan State getting eight and a half over Miami. Miami struggled to beat App State this week, and Michigan State – uh, Mel Tucker's team has been able to run the ball. They have a running back from Wake Forest that had 244 to beat Northwestern okay. in the first week. I like Michigan State getting that kind of cover. I like Colorado. Uh, they're only a one-point favorite over Minnesota. Remember, I told you Mo Ibrahim is gone for right. Minnesota. Colorado is a near near winner against uh, uh, Texas A&M. I think they'll play their tails off. But I'm going to tell you, here's where you go into okay. that casino okay. and, 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 you, and you bring a briefcase. <laughs> you can even put you can even put a, some uh, handcuffs on, make you look official. <laughs> Oklahoma. Yeah. Twenty one and a half point favorites over Nebraska. Okay. You take Oklahoma. It's in uh, Oklahoma. Oklahoma scored 76 points against poor Western Carolina over the weekend. Nebraska, I love Scott Frost. I like Big Red, but they're not fast enough to stay with Oklahoma. And given that this is the 50-year anniversary of that great game, you know, round the world with Johnny, Johnny Rogers, Rogers and the such, yeah. yep, I, I like Oklahoma to take care of business. If you feel 21 and a half is a little much, take the first half line, get it for like 12, and take, take okay. the Sooners. All right, Oklahoma minus 21 and a half. That's the that's the official. That's pick. our pick. And it, and if they say, Mitch, we're not letting you out of here without making two picks. You can't just pick one. You got to pick two. Newheiser wants me on Michigan, Michigan State. State. You want me on yep. Michigan State. You want yep. me on Michigan State. Okay. I want you on Michigan State. And we're gonna see you on CBS this weekend in advance on of Florida, CBS. Alabama, right? That's, That's correct. Exactly right. In studio, We're back in studio. In back in New York on okay. West 57th Street between okay. 10th and 11th, okay. and uh, Adam Zucker, Brian Jones, and yours truly will bring you the finest in pregame television that you can ever find. And then we'll hear from you on episode 159. Very good. 159 is Very just good. around the corner. Very celebrating, good. Celebrating, celebrating oh. your take oh. from the wonderful people at the Snoqualmie <laughs> Procedure. <laughs> Rick Neuheisel, our guest here on episode 158. Thank you, Rick. Have a great week. All right, Mitch. Take care, Bob. Hey, it's financial trivia time with Katie Versio, senior financial planner for our partner at Evergreen Golf Call. Hi, Katie. Hi, Mitch. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you back. I think I may have embarrassed myself with an 0 for 3 performance the last time. I'm ready to do better. Is there a theme to this? Yes, the theme today, it's a mid-year market update. I okay. figured it'd be good to just check in. Okay. There's been a lot of movement and just see where things are. Okay, I'm ready. Question number one. All right, let's see how closely you've been paying attention to the market. The first one is an easy one. It's a true or false. Value stocks are outperforming growth stocks this year. I'll say true. Ding, ding, ding. That's correct. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, for the last... 10 years or so, growth has really outperformed. Those names like Amazon, Facebook, Google have really been doing well. And this year, we've seen a little bit of a trend reversal. Some of those tech names have struggled earlier this year and value has outperformed. Okay, question number two, I'm one for one. All right, so the next one is about inflation. So this is a very hot topic in the market today. What is the current one-year inflation rate 
from June 2020 to June 2021. So how much okay. have the cost of goods and services in the economy grown over that one year period? Okay. Is it 1%, 2.5%, 4.6% 4 or 5.4%? Clearly it's over four. The question is, is it over five? I'll go C. Four point, what was it? Four point six percent. I think you gave me at C. Yeah, so that's actually incorrect. Huh. It's D five point four percent. So this is a huge number. It hasn't been seen since two thousand and eight. Costs and goods and services have really been increasing. This is a big trend that our investment team is watching, and we're really have been over the last six months or so repositioning portfolios to adjust for this new trend we're seeing. All right, still a chance for me to go six sixty seven, Katie. Lay number three on me. In 2021, what's the best performing asset class so far? Is it real estate investment trusts, energy, large cap stocks, or financial stocks? Well, I think it's large cap stocks. Is that not right? I'm sorry, Mitch, that is incorrect. Oh. Most years, it is large cap stocks, and all of these asset classes have performed well, but the top performing asset class is energy this year. It's up over 40%, I'm sure. Your listeners probably experience that when they go to get gas. We sure do. Well, 0 for 3 last time, 1 for 3. I'm moving in the right direction. We love Katie Versio. We love Evergreen Golf Call. Everything wealth. Unfiltered. I think Scott's service in his six years here has shown that he is a manager that you pick for a franchise because you want the way he interacts with players. He's had a veteran team that was trying to sneak into the playoffs. He's had a young team in which you're building toward the future. And in each case, he's shown the ability to get results. I've not been expecting much from D. Eskridge, especially the first half of the season. I was blown away by his catch. The catch. If you go back oh, yeah. and look at that, it was it was tough. It was acrobatic, and he made a, he made a really good grab, in which you could tell all he was focused on was his hands getting to that ball. You know, our next guest has been a friend for a very long time, dating back to his I don't know bridge from print to broadcast media. We shared the studio at KJR on a weekly basis during the football season, and then. He left me. He went on to bigger and better things across the street at 710 ESPN. Afternoons followed by mornings. Recently, his tenure ended, and he, like so many of us, became a free agent. Ladies and gentlemen, here he is, the creator of the Danny O'Neill Index, Mr. Danny O'Neill. What do I hear in Mitch. the back? Who? What? what you, what's going on? Is somebody in the kitchen? What's going on in the yes, kitchen? Yes, that's exactly right. I have a, I have, a, I have a home office that is in the corner of the living room. Uh, there's been some chicken wings that have been eaten, um, and I believe there's there's now a little bit of uh, uh, dishes that are being done. But uh, did you know that you were you were the first the first time I got paid to do radio was because of Mitch Levy. Is that right? Tell me. Yes. Tell me. Yes, it's true. It was true. Appearing on the the round table. Yeah. Uh, when when you did the round table, and I remember that I I received a check, and I believe that the check even came from the Washington Lottery. Really? I, I, I th <laughs> yes. I, I I think I think that's accurate. Oh. Which is which is funny for a number of reasons. The first one being that I don't think I've ever bought a lottery ticket. Oh. Like not not once in my life do I think that I've ever bought a lottery ticket. And 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 I ended up getting a check from the Washington Lottery, which means that I've I've made out like a bandit from, from the Washington water. <laughs> and so, so when you asked, I thought, well, the first interview 
in which I'm no longer getting paid to do radio. It would be, there would be a certain amount of symmetry if 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 I if I did that with Mitch, right? Like you were the, you were the bridge, right? Like on you see the same people on the way up that you see on the way. Hey down. now, be careful now. Be careful now. I want to know: Did when when you were doing the morning show on KJR from I'm su- I'm assuming I'm not KJR on on ESPN 710. I'm assuming from the same location as you join me. Did people here in the background? Kitchen and, and chicken wings and all those things. Occasionally, from time to time, it was a, it was a little bit less. Um, I have a dog Simba. Uh-huh. He's a rescue that we've gotten, and he he gets feisty sometimes. Like if he hears something in the hall, so you'd hear a big bark from him every now and then. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't ideal, Mitch. It wasn't ideal. Oh boy, you make me laugh. What I remember and know about Danny O'Neill. It strikes me that you seem wired to handle, let's call it a professional speed bump, better than most. Is that fair or is that just the exterior of Danny O'Neill? Uh, I've made a pretty significant transition before. So I, I think in that regard that I've got a little bit of experience of saying, OK, I'm going to take a leap of faith and I'm going to see see if I can figure this out while I'm in the air. I also have some some benefits of... I have a spouse who's more intelligent and more accomplished <laughs> than, than, than I am, which, which provides a little bit of a cushion. Uh-huh. We don't have kids. So I feel like there's, there's some, some built-in things here that it's, it's, I'm fortunate to not be in a situation where um, the rug's been yanked out from under me and I don't know what to do. There's, I, there's a certain amount of, there's not a surprise in some respects to this, um, this was a possibility. It's possible that I might have chosen this path anyway. Like, there's a lot of different things, but I, I, I'm, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely excited to figure out what I'm going to do next because I'm not entirely team. And now tell us the story of the morning show with Paul. How'd that come to be? Two years ago, my wife had taken a job. The more talented uh, spouse, <laughs> yeah, had taken a job in New York, and she accepted the job. And and when she did that, the expectation was is that I'd I'd be I'd be I'd be leaving Seattle, so I wouldn't be doing Seattle radio anymore. Right. Um, and it turned out they they were uh, seven ten ESPN Seattle Bonneville was was gracious enough to consider um, having me be remote. Also, the change of Brock Heward was no longer going to do a daily radio show. He's still going to be at the station, but he wasn't going to do the daily radio show and and Mike Salk had decided that he wasn't going to he was in, in management so he was going to step away and just focus on management um as opposed to, he just didn't think he was really in a position I'm to to launch another radio show so they moved me to the morning and paired me with Paul um coast to coast correct so we we we've probably done I don't know 10 shows where we've been in the same room? Yeah. No, like 15, because we had a week of spring training. We had a re- week of spring training right before the pandemic. And the, I guess the weird thing was, in the middle, it became, everybody was working remote, because everybody was at home. Right. And so it right. wasn't that strange. But um, yeah, we 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 did a show for two years in which we were we were on opposite coasts. Yeah, I have my own feelings about that concept. Even though the pandemic had hit, Asking two guys on opposite sides of the country to do a local morning show. Was it um, harder than you thought? Did you feel like it was going well? What happened? I knew that it would be a challenge. Here's, if, if there's any regret I have, and this is, this is one that's not really, I, 
it's a tough it's a, it's a tough road for someone to be introduced to a city like Paul was and and to to have the person that you're working with be remote like I think that's I think that I think that's a challenge I think there's a there's a double-barreled challenge of he's trying to get acclimated to a new space and not only that you're not getting some of the the being in the same room the the energy or just the the nonverbal communication that would come come across I thought the show was going well and and I I thought especially um initially after the transition I thought there were some really positive things um the pairing itself, we've got a lot of similarities. Um, conventionally, right, when it's a two-person show, you've got one, one jock and, and one talker. And in this, in this scenario, I was leading the show even though I'm really, I'm not a conventionally trained broadcaster. And Paul is someone who is much, I, I would say he's, he's more polished. And we both got a pretty high energy. There were times where I felt like it was too, when you put the two positive ends of a battery together yeah. and there's kind of a little jolt, jolt there. Yes. I, I think that that was always going to be one of the occasional challenges of, of pairing us together. That said, I thought some of our commun- our, our conversations about the NFL were really good. Like yeah. that, that dude knows his stuff. He, he knows, he knows the NFL inside and out. And I thought I, I really enjoyed a lot of the debates we had there. Um, and and then you have sort of the changing landscape of 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 ratings and and what things have looked like post pandemic, um, and and they they made they reached a decision that that they were going to try something else um, in the mornings, which you objectively look at it like I can't can't blame that decision. It's a results oriented business. You were put on notice. We, we've all read the the Jim Moore column, and I'll ask you about it here in a second, but. Uh, as I understand it, everybody there was put on notice. The changes were coming, and so each of the hosts were kind of left to wonder, is it going to be me? What did you feel like during that that in-between time where you didn't know exactly what was going on? And and to add to it, you're on the opposite side of the country, so you're not even in the office. Yeah, I would prefer that to the alternative. I, I, th- I think, and I give Bonneville and the management credit in this regard. They were really straightforward. And I would always rather have someone be very straightforward and, and lay that out than to say, uh, we don't really, I think how the situation unfolded, I don't, I don't think anybody thought that, that that's how it was going to go. I, I don't, I don't think anybody thought it was going to take as long and, and be as, as be months plural, but they made the decision that Mike was, that Mike Salk was going to go from being a manager and being the the program director for that radio cluster to being a host. And then they told us that. And honestly, Mitch, like I, I I would 10 times out of 10, tell me that, tell me that that's going to happen. Even if that means and and freaks people out and everybody, I, I would, I will always err on the side of you tell me what you know. And I respect that. So is, is it that did have some, some, it's, it's, difficult sort of repercussions. I do, I do think you have, you have some insecurity and some everybody wondering, is it going to be, is, is it going to be me? Is it yeah. going to be me? Yeah. But speaking as one of those people, yeah. I would, I would rather, I would rather have that than something sprung on you. And you're like, wait, how, how long has this been in the world? Did you think it was going to be you? I could see a very wise man once said, 
that a very wise man once said that that you can't move to New York and expect to continue to be employed at a Seattle radio station. Oh, I, I didn't think like presume that it was going to be me, but I certainly knew that there was that there were some that that there were some considerations. That's a challenge. Mm-hmm. I mean, look, yeah. like speaking from there, I can like never do it. if the if the Mariners ha- have have hosts come out to batting practice, I, I'm not there to do that. Like I, I I can't physically like that's that's an opportunity to market for the station. Like that's those are so it, it is it is a detriment. And that question of how how long will I stay plugged in and and alert to yeah. Seattle and have the pulse of Seattle. Like all of those are valid questions. I worked really hard to continue to do that. And I think I gave them my best effort, but that I, I like to think that I'm, I'm able to see things from someone else's perspective and, and realize that, okay, if that came up, the other factor is, is that it's restricted about moving to other times in the day, it's it's different for me to work afternoon drive if I'm living in New York, right? <laughs> then you are going to have. Are they going to want to hear our, our chicken wings dishes being done seven <laughs> thirty during afternoon drive? Oh gosh. Well, you've you've undoubtedly read, and I just mentioned it, the controversial column by Jim Moore, who uh, reacted. He didn't react um, on on paper or in in the paper to his as much as he did to yours. Uh, I had many reactions when I read that, one of which was Danny O'Neill would never in a million years write a column like that. What did you think when you read it, what Jim Moore had to say? I thought Jim had some things he wanted to say. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's, that's what I thought. Was it fair? Was it a fair column? I'm honestly not going to characterize it or describe it at all because there's a lot of people that I care an awful lot about that are involved. And Jim is one of those people that I care an awful lot about. Mm -hmm. And some of the people that are mentioned in that column are people that I care an awful lot about. And I feel have been very, very good to me. Um, I think everybody has their own perspective on things. I think that Jim does have some very strong feelings. I think if you gave some of the people he talked about that same platform, to say how they experienced it from their perspective, the story would be very different. And that's not to say one is right or one is wrong, but look, it's, it's a, it's a very personal thing. That question of, of, of jobs and there are, there are a finite number of jobs in, in this business, what goes into making a good radio host. So I, I would say this, the part that's, it's sad for me. In, in this regard, when I thought about leaving a newspaper, I never thought that or I worried that I would never find another place that's like a newsroom. Like newsrooms are this incredibly profane, sort of irreverent, <laughs> uh-huh. cynical yeah. sort of sort of places full of really smart people who are like to be sarcastic, don't take things at face value. Like it's, it's just a really unique workplace. Like a lot of, a lot of workplaces, you're not able to be honest. And, and when I started working at 710, I experienced that there. And I genuinely loved and really loved working 
with, I'm trying to three because I don't, without exception, the people that have been part of that, that station, Dave Wyman is like an older brother to me, mm-hmm. like really to the, to the point, like I like kidding him about the fact that he's the big, bad, tough linebacker who doesn't like onions. In fact, becomes like a screaming baby when somebody puts onions on his sandwich. Like he sends me a text message last week that a guy at Jimmy John's put onions on his sandwich. So he's on the list. Like Dave's going to, Dave's going to go sort him out at some point. Um, Jim, Jim has probably at several different points made me matter or as mad as anyone on this planet. It, it, there, there was there was one commercial break where we just sat there and we screamed at each other for really? five minutes. Jim Moore and yeah. Danny oh, of course. Oh, yes. Okay, you get, anybody who's not fought with Jim has not been around him very long. <laughs> so, so um, and maybe you asked me, what did I think about the column? One of the things I thought is like, well... I know how it feels to be that mad over something Jim's done. <laughs> what I thought, um, uh, and and the people that have been have been the bosses there, um, and whether it was like, look, Mike Salk's in that radio spot right now, but Mike's a huge reason why I got a chance to be on the air there. Like Mike was the assistant program director to Brian Long in 2012 when. And I know Mike lobbied really hard for, hey, bring him in and try him out a couple days a week. So all of those, what's unfortunate is that there is this really tough point for that station. And and I, 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 it is my genuine hope that that there are really bright days ahead there for them. Like, because there's an awful lot of people that I care an awful lot about. And I don't think anybody would tell you that, hey, these last three and a half months have been have been great or it's it's been tough it's been tough on everybody and that includes the people that were making the decisions Mm -hmm. what do you think about the current state of seattle sports radio danny all all together you've got kjr you've got your old station no nba team yet plenty of pandemic related complications for radio listenership across the board be it am or fm radio what do you think about the health or lack thereof of uh, an industry that you and I worked in for a long time. I think that it is facing some of the same economic challenges that the industry that I was in before in newspapers it has faced and is continuing to face. I don't think that there is a problem with the product. And, and what I would say with that is um, local sports talk by smart, engaged people I believe that there is a market for that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that with all of my heart and that, that the, the issue is not how many people want to listen to sports talk. I think that there will be challenges with the business that's around. And you think the people that are doing it are the right people to be doing it for the most part. Yes. Yeah. 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 Like I, I, you, you listen around like softy is not my favorite person on this planet. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. Yeah. I, I had made a decision. Well, see, this is the first time I could ever. I, while, you were cooking, time I could. while you were cooking chicken wings, <laughs> I was deciding, am I going to ask him about the uh, the unnamed host to KJR that might preclude him from working at KJR someday again? Yeah, I don't, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if we're ever. Um, <laughs> you can ask me. But, like, like, look, he's not my favorite person in the world. I think he does a really good radio show. I, I, I think I think that he brings a very specific passion, a very specific energy. Like I, 
I think he does. And there are people that are good friends of mine that always chose to listen to him instead of me. Yeah. Because they they like what 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 Dave does. Um, yeah, I, I I think there are, I think there I think there's room for different different styles. Um, I I think that Seven Ten has, for, for the most part in recent years, I think has has oriented itself around the biggest Seahawks conversations. I think KJR in a lot of ways has had more latitude and room to talk about Pac-12, something that I'm personally really passionate about. Mm-hmm. Um, I. I, 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 I do. I think I think they're smart, engaged people. Um, it's always hard when the measurements change. And what I mean by that is when all of a sudden what used to be the standard for determining whether something is good changes. And whether that's through how ratings are calculated yeah. or the fact that people are, are receiving it differently. You went through it like you were you were famous for the the attitude on podcasting. Which I mean, like honestly, and, and welcome to the podcast, Danny. <laughs> right? No, but I mean, but but those are those are the sort of decisions and challenges. And look, uh, I'm not. I, I if anybody knows how to figure this out, like, hey, I, I would love to hear from them because I don't think anybody really does. But if you're a terrestrial radio station, yeah, and you recognize that it is increasingly going digital with streaming, and and with podcasts. And with all of those different things, and the bulk of your your revenue is still coming from terrestrial spots, navigating those changes and it is is going to be a challenge. I, I will say for for Bonneville, and that's the one that I know because I've been in there. They've done an incredible job of keeping a local sales staff, and and I think that that is and this that is the way to get through it is to try and build around your strength and your identity, which is local sports talk that can't Mm. be outsourced that Mm -hmm. can't be changed it's not going to be like music radio in that regard but yeah the the businesses in in general look i i think there's a crazy cast of characters that that exist in in this city when it comes to sports media in general and and i i genuinely i i I think i think it's a fun little zoo to look at full of interesting creatures so now what being in new york Mm -hmm. does the equity that you've earned in Seattle along the way allow you to stay relevant here or is it just too difficult? What's next for Danny O'Neill and the Danny O'Neill index? And be careful because this is a loaded question. It's really setting up, you know, I never ask a question that doesn't set up the next question. So be careful. Yeah. Well, it's it's at some point you're going to you're going to get hit up because because uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to become an interview consultant and you're going to be my ace example because I've oh. always thought that your oh, interviews are incredible. Oh, OK. So that's a little buttering. Oh, okay. um, I don't know about how relevant I'll remain in Seattle. And that's uh, I, my immediate plan is to spend kind of the next six months and maybe a year mm-hmm. trying to build up a freelance writing business. Um, trying to write for food uh, and to see if that if there is a long term sort of path for that. And and after after really after a year to say, like, OK, can I make a go of this um, in that time? I have a, a, a book that I basically half written four times. Oh, oh. I was I was going through and looking oh, through like oh. I was like, I've got four different versions of the first half of this same book about Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. Um I, I'm, I'm hoping and planning to finish that in the next year. Did he participate I, I, in that? 
I've talked to him over the years, but no, it's not okay. it's not okay. with him. Okay. Um his his feeling is he's written a book. Okay. And actually like this would show you if the book's really successful, I'm hoping to buy like a good pair of snow tires. <laughs> Okay, I think I think, and that might be ambitious. Like I might earn ten dollars from it. Um, but so Pete wrote a book. It came out in two thousand ten when he came here. Like it, it's it's sold. Like he won't want to hear this. It sold really well. Like there was a paperback edition and everything. And Pete was like, "Oh, what do you what do you write books for, man? You don't get, you don't make anything out of this. We got to go do some of these online stuff." So so those are most freelance writers have. Uh, different streams of, yeah. of income like there's some writing that they do for magazines there's some writing that they do for companies um oh, and and I'll, I'll i'll see if i can make it make a go of it that way um but my my dream is has been to to be able to write and i'd like to get a crack at choosing my own subjects as opposed to writing uh, a beat or or something that is is assigned to me for a publication so, so this is okay go ahead that's, no, no, that, yeah. I was done. You want a consultant to teach you how to interrupt interview subjects? I'm here for you. Know, well, I, I, I do. That was one of the things I was like, because honest to God, like how much time, how much, how much time I've spent as a newspaper reporter uh, interviewing people yeah. and then as, as a, on the radio, Yeah. how little time people spend <laughs> figuring out how to ask good questions uh, and what makes a good interview is jarring. <laughs> like it, I, I, I'm not joking you. Like I think there's, I, when I talk about different streams of revenue, that's like one of my ideas that I'm just going to go around and I'm going to teach people how to interview by playing in oh, part your okay. questions. Oh, my question. I'm going I'm to use you. Okay, please do. <laughs> See, so here's where I dropped a hammer. And I was, as I was figuring out how I wanted to ask this, I was trying to think about how old you are. You're clearly. 46. Yeah, you're clearly younger than me. Is he old enough to remember Happy Days? So I'm going to, I'm going to do the Happy Days reference. What about. A possible recurring role on Mitch Unfiltered, kind of like Pinky Tuscadero on yeah, Happy Days. I no, I don't know Pinky. How what about did Pinky how do? about how about the Soup Nazi on Seinfeld? Yeah, I'm familiar with him. I, I go by his place. There's a place. I can't tell if it's the actual Soup Nazi or a guy just trying to cash in on uh, him. But it's not too far from where I live. Yeah, I had a feeling that if I did, I don't know what is like. Is that a metaphor? That's a simile or a metaphor? Pinky Tuscadero. I had a feeling that that was just going to be out of your, just out of your strike zone. So I'm going Soup well, I'm Nazi you, on I'm Seinfeld. At, I'm I'm looking at Pinky. Pinky's got a good getup. Like she's she is dressed to the nines. Well, she was a recurring character that people looked forward to seeing and hearing from during the Happy Days stint. So, what about the people that would say, "Danny, do do like fifteen or twenty minutes of shtick with Mitch. <laughs> just just get on and blab like you guys are blabbing now. We we want to hear. We don't want him to go away altogether. We know he's got a wife." Who who is much much more talented? Much we don't yes. want him to go away for good. Do some shtick with Mitch. What about that? Let me think about it. <laughs> I, I, I'm no no like and I I'll be I'll be on because I'm not I'm not someone who says the yeah yeah I'll do that and then and then not like if I if I commit to it well you could, you could tell them I committed to doing this and uh, I didn't weasel out like there was a moment you thought I was I was starting to weasel and I I don't if I say I'm going to do something I'll, I'll do it so honestly honestly l let me think about okay, it but that is interesting that. and yeah. if I do it there's only one way that I do it oh, okay. Oh, you're you're now going to set conditions. Okay, that's correct. Okay, that's correct. <laughs> yes. Uh, 
it, if the Danny O'Neill index oh. is included. Oh. Because for for years there was a there was a point where I was like, I really want to use that. Like I really want to do it. Like I do. I, I think it's putting a percentage on the likelihood of whether or not a guy plays and like like I it's great. And I was like, but I can't. I can't, it's not mine. Like I, I didn't, I didn't come up with the idea. I was, I was simply that was the that was the pinky Tuscadero role that was written for me. I can't go. It was the intellectual property of someone else. You could have used it anytime you wanted, man. I, yeah, I but that didn't. Yeah, it didn't yeah. feel right. It no. didn't feel right. It really didn't. Okay. Like you can when something happens when something happens organically like that, you can't you can't, can't just rip it, it off. No, like you can okay. you can rip it. You can do you can rip things off in other circumstances, okay. like and just shamelessly steal. But in that one, I would have felt okay. dirty. Okay. Okay. Well, since you want to bring back the Danny O'Neill index, if if you choose to join me on a on a recurring basis, why don't we just end? By telling everybody that we're recording this in advance of the Seahawks opener in Indianapolis. So maybe it would be fun as listeners listen to this after the game is over. Yeah. If the Danny O'Neill index, if you cleaned it off all the cobwebs Mm -hmm. and you gave us the percent chance that the Seahawks are going to be 1-0 at the time that everybody's listening to this interview. A (laughs) 68.7% likelihood. Just over two thirds, just over two thirds. I'm feeling very good. There's a lot of COVID questions in Indianapolis. A lot of COVID questions in Indianapolis. We don't know how healthy Carson Wentz is. All all of those different uncertainties. the The line switched on this game. Like when yes, I, I, I saw when that. The, yeah, when, yeah I saw that. when the yeah. schedule was announced, yeah. what the Colts were two, two and, and a half point favorites. Two and a half point favorites. Yeah, and now it's swung the other way. I yeah. think Seattle's. Seattle's given two and a half. Yeah, maybe um, three. Yeah, yeah. I Seattle, Seattle doesn't typically start out well on the road under Pete Carroll, but they've been better recently. Like they've been a lot better recently. So I, I see a low-scoring game. I think like twenty to twelve. I, I feel oh, really? twenty to twelve. Really? Yeah, Indianapolis just can't get into the end zone. I, that's that's kind of that that's kind of how I'm feeling. Uh, not explosive by the Seahawks stand standards no no i think i i i think this offense is gonna i think there's gonna i think there's gonna be some 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 difficult moments here in the first two months i okay. think there's gonna okay. be a lot of wailing among the 12s just the final year gonna be a- final year for number three in these in these parts or no an awful lot depends if they don't get double digit wins i say yes if if they don't get double digit wins i they're i, I see a change wins. they're gonna get i think so too i think so too that that question of say it's also screwed up because there's 17 games now. Yeah, like that, that's gonna make is 11 and six is 11 and six closer to 11 and five or 10 and six? <laughs> because right, like like because 11 and five is a good season, right? 10 and yeah. six, you're like okay, that's that's good. Might win you the division, may probably, probably get you a card. wild card. Yeah, but like 11 and five, you're like 11 and five is a good season. Yeah, it is. So what's what's 11 and six? I don't know. Like which is it? This is gonna make it hard. It. If they don't go further than they did last year, I'll go ahead and say, yeah, I think it's threes last year. If 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 they don't if they don't if they don't get further, that's not a very sort of strong line in the sand because that means you're just winning one playoff game. Um, but I do I do think I do think that there is a lot riding on it this year. Danny, I said this to you off the air. I'm going to say it to you. I don't know if we consider podcast on the air. 
You know how I feel about you. You know, many years ago when you were with me and I had so much fun with you on the roundtable and in other segments, it's it's a really bittersweet situation to watch you leave because on one hand, it makes me feel good for you that you were able to parlay us into something bigger. And at the same time, it makes me feel sad that I'm not allowed to work with you anymore. But I was always a very quiet fan of you and your career and your writing and your kind of quirky humor and just about everything about you. And when you went over to the other guys, I wasn't allowed to cheer audibly for you, but I was cheering underneath my breath. And then when I fell on my face and was out of the business altogether, I continued to cheer for you. I wish that the morning show had gone longer for you and Paul. I feel like that, if you want to call it a a fail. It had nothing to do with the talent involved. It was the dynamic in place, much more than the the people behind the microphones or in front of the microphones. So I I just, I respect the hell out of you. I love you very much. And I hope whatever you decide to do, whether it's the freelance writing business or the books, or it's a, a recurring role on Mitch Unfit, whatever it is, you know that you've got a fan in me here in Bellevue, Washington. Well, you're very, very kind, Mitch. I do mean it when I said that the important part to the important part to me, it was a, doing the roundtable and being on with you and the fact that there was actually a check from Washington Lottery. <laughs> but it wasn't for $946 million, right? No, it wasn't. It wasn't a big check. It was a little check. It wasn't the big... Um, <laughs> Powerful. It was really fun. I certainly didn't have a belief that I was going to be good at this. And I didn't really have aspirations to do radio, but it was really fun. And I had fun on your show. I continued to have fun. And I just always appreciated uh, the way the way that you approach interviews, the way that you engage with people, and the show that you build, honestly. Like the, the way you do a radio show is something that I don't know if I'm smart enough to learn from it, but it's something that always <laughs> always struck me of how, how you considered... Uh and saw your show is yeah it is it's it is really meaningful and i i i really appreciate it and i'm 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 glad that you invited me on this was really fun back to the chicken wings we'll talk again (laughs) we'll talk to you sounds good mitch time to talk some pizza beer and salads with zeke's president dan black how are you dan i'm doing good mitch thanks september is already here believe it or not how has the summer gone? Give us kind of a synopsis of what's going on at Zeke's. Summer's been good. You know, the, the main theme there is people are out doing stuff. Our Belltown store, which is a block from the Space Needle, was active with tourists all summer. And so just seeing that kind of normalized activity out there has been great. I hear some huge news is coming down the pike. We've got the footprint south to north, Tacoma to Bellingham, but we're going east. I count 19 locations on the website. Tell us the exciting news about the eastern side of the state. Yeah, no, we just signed a deal in Spokane, so uh, we're excited to be doing a pretty major expansion in terms of geographic footprint and uh, really close to the GU campus over there. We're going to be packed for Zags basketball games, which will be fun, and it's, uh, it's just a cool spot. Is Mark Few welcomed at that location, Dan? He is welcome. I'll give you a warning if he's there so so that you don't have to show up. (laughs) Harvest season. What does that mean? It's coming for beer drinkers, Dan. Yeah, it means IPA drinkers are going to be happy. This time of year, we do what's called fresh hop beer. All the big breweries do fresh hop versions, mainly of their IPAs. And 
it's really good beer and we'll, we're going to have a ton of IPAs both on draft and in cans and so uh, including lateral A which is kind of our one of our more popular IPAs that you can only get at Zeke's and so people are excited about that. And what we learned during the pandemic is you can have that delivered to your door with the pizza. Yep, absolutely. They haven't rolled any of the laws back. So, yeah, beer delivery is still going strong. And uh, like I say, people will be getting these fresh hop IPAs delivered soon. Zeke'sPizza.com or do the easy thing and download the Zeke's Pizza app like we do here in the Levy household. We love Zeke's Pizza. It's homegrown in the Northwest. Unfiltered. Other stuff segment, Hot Shot Scott. The craziest play in all of in all of football over this past weekend, I don't know if you saw it, was at the Miami Hurricanes season opener Saturday. Yes. The cat. Holy the cat Toledo. And the hat. Yeah. Wow, that yeah. could have been ugly. Yeah. I've seen the highlight. All right, well, fans on the front. How'd the cat get up there? I think it's stray, but yeah, how did it get way up there? Like, It just makes me, I don't know, bum me I almost feel like somebody puts a cat up there. I know, it's weird. Do they put a cat up there? I hope not. I hope it's stray. It's looking for food or something. Well, how can it be stray up there? Well, maybe it lives outside. I don't know. Maybe it's been living there in the offseason. Who knows? (laughs) I don't know. That fans on the front row of the upper deck started screaming after seeing a cat, literally a cat, hanging onto a banner out of their reach. They couldn't help this cat. It was hanging there. Yes. The cat couldn't hang on, slipped, and started a free fall. All right? But a group of quick-thinking fans below took action. Quick-thinking Miami Hurricane fans. That's right. Spreading, they spread an American flag. Ninety-one national champions. That's oh uh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> they they now you completely threw me with that <laughs> horse shit. They were probably all on meth. Is why they acted uh, so quickly. They spread out an American flag they brought to the game to catch the cat. It landed safely, and the Hard Rock Stadium tweeted that a donation has been made to the Humane Society of Miami. So there you go. It just that could have been so awful for everyone to see a cat. Although they say cats can fall from really high up and be okay, but. It, I, I would not have wanted to see that if, if did nobody you think that they when they caught him that they were a little rough after they caught him they were like celebrating yeah. the catch I think they were so excited they were, that they caught and, him and they were you know wiggling the cat around <laughs> and, and almost got to the point where I thought maybe the cat was thinking I, I wish you hadn't caught me <laughs> who, who, who needs this are you shaking me around this is this is more violent than the fall would have been they held the cat up in like a victory yeah, like yeah and he was shaking it yeah. I was like come on guy yeah. put the cat down hey he just saved his life whatever good, I don't know that them. he did <laughs> I think the cat would have survived the fall well, they say they. I mean, probably I think the on cat would. I think the cat would have survived the fall. Nonetheless, yeah. I'm happy they helped the cat. I hope it's surviving. Were you watching? Um, were you watching the NFL right before the opening kickoffs? The national anthem. Did you see the national anthem that everybody watched around the NFL? You know, the national anthem was simulcast through all of the oh. arena. Did you not? No, I didn't see that. Oh. No, I. I, I even you didn't if, see that. You didn't read about it. You didn't see it. For like before, like all the NFL games. Are so at like yeah, like 10 a.m. sharp. Okay. In all of the stadiums, they all played on TV and in the stadiums the video of the national anthem, which was sung by a young girl, 20 years old or 21 years old, okay. who lost her father in 9/11 in the 9/11 attacks, and they started with a picture of her and him, like oh, a little black and she white. She must have been a baby, right? She was a baby, yeah, looking yeah. at him, and he was smiling. Oh. And then the announcer comes on and says, and now to sing the national anthem. And she's standing at the, at the site of the, uh, of the World Trade Centers in New York. And she sang the most beautiful. I, I can't believe you. So you, you must. I always sit down must, at like 10.04 oh, or like four miss, minutes you, late. You, yeah. you got to go back and watch I, I will it. for sure oh, go back. I'm it sure. Was, it was all over. So, I mean, it was, 
it was something else. It was both. It was heartbreaking and beautiful. I mean, there were so many emotions. I was crying. I was. Yeah. I was literally in tears mm. a few minutes before kickoff between the Colts and the Seahawks. It was lovely. Lovely and heartbreaking at the same time. Weird that it's been 20 years. I've been watching a lot of the stuff. Yeah. Have you been watching it? No, I, I can't. Like every night it's on ABC, my wife and I sit down and watch the stories, yeah. some of the stories. It's tough. Yeah, it is very difficult. You know, Pete Davidson lost his dad in the World Trade Center. No, I did not from know From SNL, that. yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yeah, he's one of them. Yeah, you just, you forget it was what, almost 3,000 people were, were, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's it's been a tough week. It's it's hard for me to watch that. It's still, like I, I mean, you you were alive. You remember it was yeah. a, how we felt that day. We just stick right. to our stomachs. Yeah, I was I'm on still the air. not over. I was yeah, on the you air. were on the air. Yeah, you were on vacation, right? I was in Vegas. I woke up at eleven thirty. I was the last one you to did. know. <laughs> the very you last did. one on the planet to know. Well, go back and watch this beautiful rendition of the national anthem sung by a a young woman who couldn't have been more than twenty. She's probably twenty two. She was probably okay. two at the time, maybe one in her dad's arms, the picture, and then they introduce her, and she's standing there, and she's singing. And it's a beautiful rendition. Just, just, uh tears. I Tear, I was flooded with tears mm. and emotions from that. But go ahead. All right. A man... I can't Good do this. segue. <laughs> Good segue. I got one. A man so you in can New talk York, about urethras. A man in New York won a Guinness World Record when he drank a two-liter bottle of soda in 18 seconds. That was my next story, but how can I do that? By the way, you know I've said in the past, I'm disappointed that... Well, that, I'll go next. Then. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. U.S. Open. Did you watch any of the U.S. Open? Tennis. I'm oh, not talking golf. Like golf or tennis? No, U.S. Open. No. End of the summer, U.S. Open. Grand Slam, U.S. Open. The, the, the women's final between a 19-year-old and 18. You didn't watch. No. Do you know what happened? No. The 18-year-old gal from Great Britain, she is a qualif- She was a qualifier. She's the first ever qualifier to win a Grand Slam. Oh, she wow. wasn't even in the field. And wow. she had to win like three or four matches in a row to get into the field. She gets into the field and then she wins every... She didn't even lose a set. Wow. And she ends up playing a 19-year-old from Canada who's captured all of our all of our imaginations. And she was beautiful after the, after the loss. She loses, and she gets in front of the microphone on September the 11th, and she says from Canada, I know just... And she had just lost a heartbreak. She's in tears. She just lost. She's yeah. 19 years old. I, but I know how difficult a day... So the first thing she says, one of the first... I know how difficult a day it is here in New York and around the country, and I just want you to know. I mean, it was so beautiful. These... The, Oh. Producer Steve said she's faking. She didn't mean Stop that. Stop it. <laughs> Stop so it. So a Canadian and, a, and somebody from England were in the U.S. Open final. U.S. Wow. Open final. That's great. 18-year-old versus 19-year-old. The 18-year-old won, didn't lose a set, Incredible. and was not qualified to even be in the tournament. This was only her second major, her second Grand Slam event. So we'll be seeing more from her, I'm guessing. Oh, both of them. Yeah. 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 Is that, I think I, maybe I've asked you this. Is, is tennis a sport where you're at your prime at 18, 19, as opposed to like in the NBA or the NFL, you're in your prime at like 25? I don't know. Your prime? It does feel like they're they're so young. Like the, the best, t- best tennis players are always very young. I guess maybe yes. women. Yes, yes. Younger, yes. I, I wouldn't say 18 prime. Okay. I, I would say 20, 21 it's prime. pretty young. It's yeah. pretty crazy oh, how it is. you could be is. that young and be at the top of a sport. That's really young, 18, 19. It was a, it was a beautiful uh, women's final. And then in the men's final, uh, Djokovic, Novak Djokovic, yeah. who uh, was supposed to win everything, he got beaten three... He, Beating straight sets in the in the final oh. on Sunday, yeah, and he's he was breaking his rackets. <laughs> yeah, we didn't make another one. Yeah, they got another. They got yeah. like they come out with like thirty four rackets. Right, I'm sure. I was get a kick out of that. Yeah, yeah, they Come yeah. out with this pack of rackets, with like <laughs> twenty of these things. And if you just controlled your temper, you would yeah. just get to take them all home yeah. every time. You would yeah. just be lousy with rackets at your house. Anyway, I was too busy watching Evander Holyfield getting his ass. Oh, knocked I don't out. know what happened. Oh, really? No, what happened? So he was knocked out in the first round of a completely one sided fight against Vitor Belfort. 
it was clear from the beginning both fighters were on totally different levels. He's 58, Holyfield. Yeah. 50, I mean, you know, that's pretty old to be out there swinging. And Belfort was no, you know, he's no, like, champion or anything. He was pretty good for his time. But um, now Triller, the, the company that put it on, Ryan Cavanaugh, the guy that runs it, he wants to see more of Belfort announcing he's proposing a $30 million winner-take-all fight against Jake Paul. Oh, stop it. <laughs> So Jake Paul, the one that recently beat Tyron Woodley and knocked out our pal Nate Robinson. And by the way, Trump did announce the fights, as we talked about, and he received a We Love Trump chant from the fans. He looked very happy to get that. So, yeah, there you go. Holyfield, my, I don't know, it, it might be time to just call it a life, unless he's got money problems. I don't know. Maybe he needs, I don't know what his money situation is, but at 58, you don't need to be getting punched like did, that. They, they didn't charge for that, did they? Oh, I, I don't think it was free. I mean, this, this triller puts it on. Oh, my God. Really? People pay? Yeah, but th- there were some other how old, fights, How too. old is Evander Holyfield? I said 58. 58 out and there pe- boxing? And people are paying to watch <laughs> him p- fight? Yeah, th- there were other... I don't other... think anybody's paying to watch him fight. Well, this guy who runs it just offered $30 million to for the next fight, so he's making money, apparently. Did you see what happened in the USC-Stanford game? Do you know that USC played Stanford in college football? I didn't know that. No, okay, yes. USC was like a 17-point favorite. Okay. Because USC is supposed to be very good, and they played Stanford and lost by two touchdowns. Okay. So, so the difference in the point spread to the final score was 31 points. They were 17-point favorites. They lost by two touchdowns. Yeah. But here's the story, something you've never seen before. It's not often that you see something that you've never seen before. Okay. Opening kickoff. USC kicks to Stanford. Opening kickoff. Okay. USC's kicker gets thrown out of the game for targeting. Really? Yeah. <laughs> he goes down to make the tackle. Wow. And he launches his head towards the towards the runner, and they throw him out of the game. They threw the USC kicker. What? Are, the USC kicker. Did he make the tackle? It wasn't Sebastian Janikowski. Did, the USC did, kicker. did he actually make the tackle or no? Yeah. yeah well, he, he bumped him. Yeah, he knocked him over. Yeah, he made he the tackle. He got thrown out? He got thrown out. For targeting. Yeah. 15-yard penalty, and the kicker has been disqualified from the game. Wow. For, t- for leading with the crown of the helmet. Yeah. And the rest of the kickers around the country are going, see, I told you, just don't even try. Don't even bother. That's why I don't bother. I'm I just telling you. The other 10 go down there and make a tackle. The guy busts his ass to get down you there. You can watch <laughs> football for the next 50. You can live 50 more years and yeah. watch football. You will never see a kicker get thrown no. out of the game for targeting after a kickoff. I, I, I'm, all, I'm all for targeting if you want to have that rule, but it, it shouldn't count with kickers. They're exempt. Punters and kickers are exempt from that rule. So they can target. If they bust their ass hard enough to get down there and they're, yeah. they're man enough to throw their head in there, yeah. let them do it. Yeah. All right. A subway worker bravely defended herself while getting robbed at gunpoint, even successfully disarming the dude and getting him to leave. And all she got for it was suspended. Yeah. <laughs> she got suspended by her boss. She literally wrestles this guy who, yeah. who she's not like a tiny person, gets the gun away from him. Hits him in the face. It's all in video. Hits the guy in the face, like pistol whips him. Yeah. And the guy runs out with her purse, which sucks. But yeah. So she's standing there. The footage got leaked. We don't know who put it up, but her boss wasn't happy. Yeah. So her boss said, you're not getting paid, and you're suspended until we get to the bottom of this. <laughs> <laughs> I just saved your story. He was trying to rob you. Gee, thanks, boss. How about, are you okay? Or t- how about take some time for this trauma? You almost I had a gun to your head, right? Uh, so, of course, what happens with all these stories? There's always, there's always an ending. But... Somebody made something for her. What do you think they, they made for? They, this always happens. These guys, There's a GoFundMe page out there for oh, her. Oh, Jesus. 10 grand she's got already. Really? 10 Gs, yeah. What's the goal? I think it was uh, seven, maybe. So we've already gone over the goal. I think so, yeah. But yeah, but last I looked, it was GoFundMe. Over, over 10 grand. But she did get, no, no, it was, I'm sorry, it was 13,370. Okay. But I think the goal was 10 grand. 
Yeah, she got her phone smashed. She ran off with her purse, the credit cards. So there you go. Her boss suspends her and doesn't pay her. Then she gets 13 grand from everyone else. Well, my last one is, you know what college football game day is? (laughs) Do I know? Yes. And I know why you're asking. You do? Yeah, I think. Well, uh, college football game day this past weekend on ESPN. Do I know what game day is? I mean, I don't know. Have I ever watched sports? Or it's my I don't, first I don't day? know. I don't right. watch game day. Uh, it's actually pretty cool. I don't. I don't ever watch game. I haven't seen game day maybe ever. Oh, really? Yeah. Because if I get up early at, and I yeah, put it no, on, no, it no, kind of gets you in the mood. Nah, it's fun. I'm, not, I'm done. I'm not. I'm All not right. watching game day. Well, apparently, game day travels from city to city, and they and they lo- they were located this past weekend. In uh, at the University of Iowa, yes, or it was, no, it was uh, Iowa, Iowa State. State, Iowa right. State. That's right, because it was Iowa versus Iowa State. One team was ranked number nine in the country. One team was ranked number ten in the country. So it was a big game. It normally isn't such a big game, right? And they had on set a a prestigious University of Iowa graduate. Yeah, apparently they couldn't find an Iowa State one. Don't they always get one from the home team? Don't know. That's weird. Okay. Again, I, I, I'm not a watcher. Yeah, but I know that the University of Iowa graduate that came onto the set was Ashton Kutcher. Yes, it was. And there he was talking college football with the guys from ESPN Game Day when the crowd behind him broke out in a chant, take a shower, take a shower, which immediately came to my mind as if we had a studio audience here (laughs) on Mitch Unfiltered. They'd, They'd break into a chant when you arrived, take a shower. I won't be bullied. (laughs) <laughs> I, think you need, I think you need to get on that train. Do you know why they're they're hitting him with this? Do you know? Do you kind of know the backstory? Well, that's where that's where it start. That's where our conversation started, right? They, she, he and her and his wife, admitted that they don't take a lot of showers and they don't shower the kid, maybe yeah. or something I, I, like no, that. I don't. I think it was another non shower that brought that up. No, I think Ashton Kutcher was at the really. Beginning. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. He did tell this podcaster that he doesn't yes. using soap every day rids the body of natural oils. Yeah. And and Mila, Mila Kunis, I forgot he was with her. Yeah. She agreed. I, he says he he washes the vitals every day, but other than that, he doesn't wash anything else. The vitals. Yeah, you don't need me to spell that out for you, okay? <laughs> smell it out or spell it, it out? Neither. Okay. And he, as far as our kids go, he said, we have a system. If you can see dirt on them, clean them. He said, otherwise, there's no point. He, uh, throw some water on my yeah, face. That's where it all workout. started, Hotshot. I thought there was another one we were no, talking that's about. that's where it all started. It, there was another one, but it was after that one. That they started really? the whole, Yeah, they started the whole thing. Has Brad Pitt's been known to not shower much. There's, there's a few Scott out there. Scott Soden. Steve Dion. Um, Scott Soden. He says after a workout, he throws Steve Dion. He throws water on his face just to get the salt off, but he doesn't necessarily shower. Kuna says she washes her face twice a day, but yeah, they, they were relentless. They, they, they started it when he got off the plane, and then, I don't know, and then when he sat down, they started it again for round two. So, yeah. I stand by what I said. I can understand those of you who don't shower every day. Maybe you don't do much on a given day. Maybe you sit around watching football and you don't shower. I get that. Okay. That's not me. That's not me. I shower every day no matter what. There's okay. never a day that goes by that I don't shower. Okay? But I can understand if you want me to, to Mitch, be a little malleable, be in this conversation on the podcast, be, be willing to listen. I'm willing to listen to somebody who says, you know, on certain days I'm watching football, I don't even go out. Yeah. I don't shower. I'm willing to listen to that. Okay. But when you looked at me on one of those podcasts and yeah. said to me that you will work, you have gone to play basketball, yeah. I think. Every ounce of sweat left my body. You have gone to play basketball full court for oh. a couple hours oh. and swe- sweat up a storm and then gone to sleep without <laughs> taking a shower. Now, I'm not proud of it, but I you have You said it. that to yeah. me. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. That is. Beeline to the shower right when you get home. F- 
That is so revolting. That's disgusting. <laughs> well, it's not nightly, but I, I have I done it. I didn't say nightly. Oh, yeah. I have done it, yes. It's disgusting. All right, calm down. It's not that disgusting. Oh, it is that disgusting. But I, it's my sheet. I sleep. No one else it's has to sleep gr- there. It is so freaking gross. My wife has a wooden barrier she puts down oh. in between us at night just to make sure. Oh. It, I, it's, I could get it. So I'm not going to fight oh. people to say it's not gross, oh. but you know, whatever. It is There's what it a is. big difference between staying home and watching football <laughs> yeah. and schwitzing for two hours on a basketball court. Yeah, right? Maybe I'll throw a little water on my face like oh, Ashton does. It's disgusting. That seems to be the move. All right. Speaking of September 11th, I should have brought this up earlier. The Yankee catcher who caught President Bush's ceremonial pitch before World Series Game 3 in New York City. Do you remember when he threw out oh, that pitch? It was a big moment. Of course. And he it threw was, a strike. Yeah, yeah. He did. He threw a yeah, strike, yeah. which was very symbolic of America's yeah. resolve, right? right? Right. It was George W. Bush. Well, the catcher of that team was? Well, I was going to ask to see if you know, but I don't think you'll get it. Which team? It the was, Yankees he was or the a Mets? Yankee. Yeah, Yankees-Mets game, right? yep. wasn't it? Yep, yep. Wasn't it the game that Mike Piazza hit the home run? That I don't know. Yes. Mike Piazza hit a huge home run. I be- no, maybe that was against the Braves. Nah, I- I'm sorry. I'm mixing up a couple okay. of games. I'm mixing up a couple of games. But he-, he just wanted to tell everybody that George Bush wrote him a letter this week, this past really? week. Really? Really? The catcher? Yeah, he wrote the catcher, like a nice yeah. letter commemorating how yeah. special so that moment So you're going to ask and- me, Mitch, who's the ca- who's the catcher? No one will know. It was okay. ho- it was uh, uh, Jorge Posada's backup named Todd Green. I'd never heard of Todd okay. Green. Todd Green. But I thought that was pretty cool that GWB wrote a letter to him, like remembered who he was and... You know, that was a pretty special moment if, for people sure who remember was. it. Sure was. It was maybe 60 days or sure so was. after, or 49 days after the attack. You take us out, Hotshot Scott. Go ahead. You want one final one? One final one. You have any RIPs that you want to throw oh, out Oh, yeah, there? I got a couple RIPs Oh, you always shake your head on that. Y- you may or may not know this guy. His yeah. name's Art Matreno. No. If I'm saying that Don't right. know it by name, no. He was a stand-up comedian known for his role in the Police Academy sequels. He passed away, according to his family. Now, his career began in the 60s, but skyrocketed in the 70s thanks to his performance on The Tonight Show starring Johnny Carson, oh. in which he performed as the great Matrano, a hilarious magic act spoof. I had not ever heard of this. No. That's not how I know him. He also was in The Heartbreak Kid. He played Da Vinci in Mel Brooks' History of the World Part One. Mm-hmm. He was in Joni Loves Chachi. <laughs> Big role for him there. But he he played Mauser in the in the Police Academy sequels. Do you remember Mauser? I didn't do the Police Academies. I don't think. Okay. Well, he was Ernie yeah. Mauser, yeah. and the scene where they put super glue in instead of shampoo, and his hands are stuck to his head. It's all yeah. funny hijinks. Anyway, he was eighty four. Okay. And then there's another one May too. May he rest in peace. Yes. Uh, this guy's name's Mick Brigden. People might nope. know. He was in the music industry. He worked as the tour manager for the Rolling Stones and Bob Dylan. Ah. It's been a rough week for a rough month for the Rolling yeah, Stones. Yeah, I read this. Yeah. Yeah. He was digging a grave. Yes. For, for their dying dog. Dog. dog who yes. hadn't passed yet. And then he fell or something. But something happened. He was digging. Something happened. The hole collapsed in on him. Oh. Right. And his wife says it's just a freak accident. He died immediately. Right. Now, maybe it'll come out that he had a heart attack because he was so scared. Yeah. But yeah. his neighbors saw what happened, quickly called 911. Paramedics arrived, but they were unable to save him. So, um, and then they had to put his dog down two days later. So that's some month for his wife, Julia, right? So rest in peace to David, or to Mick Brigden. He okay. was uh, 73 years old. All right, one final one. I don't yeah. know how I'm going to. Former wrestler Al Snow pulled a kid from the water, saved his life. There's a happy one. Al Snow, former WWE in Florida, 58 years old, saw no kid. No jokes? Saw no, a kid getting. No jokes on episode one. This is my buffer in between the last oh, one. Oh, I was going to give you a buffer, but okay. Oh, you said you were done. Yeah, I am done. But what are we going to do about the NFC West? <laughs> is that what you were going to say? Yeah. <laughs> Is everyone just going to be good? Is that oh how that's going to go? Yeah. I mean, the Niners gave up their lead, but they were up big. It was probably, you know. On the road in Detroit. The yeah. Cardinals are beating the Titans on the road, beating the hell out of the <sighs> Titans. Seahawks are beating the hell out of the Colts. The Rams are beating the hell out of the Bears. 
I, I know it's only one week, and you never want to overreact to the first week of f- football. I, yeah. I learned this a million times, but this really, boy, this is a ball buster of a division. Yeah. It is a ball buster. But go ahead. Go ahead for your last, your last story. Go My ahead. last one. Yeah, All right. Please. This please. is science now, everybody, okay? Yeah. So society tells us that breaking wind in public is generally bad matters. We'd all agree to that. But did you know it can actually be worse to hold them in? Dr. Karan Rajan, an NHS surgeon, has warned that holding in your flatulence could cause the gas to re-enter your bloodstream with pretty gross results. He explained if you hold it in too long, it can be reabsorbed into your bloodstream and breathed out when you exhale. He claims people do it around 14 times a day on average and says that the more the merrier, as it's important to let out that buildup gas. So maybe not in public, but, you know, get it out if you have it. Dr. Rajan said if someone tells you that they don't, they're lying or they've got a bowel obstruction, which is a medical emergency. He then explained the first one of the day is usually the biggest and even detailed the facts behind where our wind comes from. I'll keep that out. He added 75 per- No, I'm actually going to tell you. He added 75% of them are produced by bacteria in the large intestine. Digested food that isn't broken down is chewed up by bacteria that produce microscopic farts that accumulate and become one of your regular normal ones. 25% of them are swallowed air that you didn't burp and dissolved gases from the blood making its way into your intestines. So wait, if you hold it in too long, uh, here we go. It can be reabsorbed into your bloodstream and breathed out when you exhale. So when I used to call kids fart breath in grade school, I was right. God, who knew? Hey, Doc, thanks for the more the merrier advice, but I'm pretty sure my dad had that theory a long time ago, especially in the car. Uh, quick question. Uh, oh, if you fart and sneeze at the same time, <laughs> if you, the window's up, if you fart and sneeze at the same time, does your body take a screenshot? It's more of a question than a joke, I guess. And finally, I appreciate the warning about holding them in, but clearly Dr. Rajan has never been on a first date. Please leave my car. I'm going to burst. We've all been there, right? On like a first date or a date. I, there was a movie, or I dreamt this, or a TV show. I don't know. Where a guy drops a woman off at her house on yes. a first date. Yes. She goes in. Yes. He sees her go in. He puts yep. his head back, closes his eyes, and just lets an enormous one go. He's been holding it in all night. Yeah. And then he hears on his window, she forgot her purse. Oh. <laughs> I don't know what, where I saw that. It's really a funny, a funny thing. So now he's got to roll the window down to get this oh, lady. Sean Scott, to ladies get this and lady gentlemen. Purse. Someone tell me where that was a movie, a TV show. Oh. It either happened to me or I dreamt Mitch it. Mitch at MitchUnfiltered.com. <laughs> yeah, leave him alone. Save your emails. <laughs> uh, I'll forward them to him. Yeah, please. I love that. Oh, dear. Yeah. Uh, patrons, I hope you enjoyed the uh, the first week of our expanded football programming. We did a lot. It's a hell of a week. We're going to do it every single week. It's great. Around the NFL and the Peace Show on, on, uh, on Thursdays. Uh, no Table and Slick Hawk and Me on Fridays and Fantasy Football on Saturdays, followed by this show on Monday. So this is going to be six shows a week for the remainder of the football season. Busy. For the next 18 weeks or we're, 17 weeks. We're going to need to go to Maui or something at the end of football season. Yeah, we're sure. going to be Why so not? tired. Why not? Live show in Maui. Let's do it. Let's, let's go. Do, let's do it. Yep. Uh, episode 158. Seahawks are a winner. Not so much for the uh, Episode 158.